Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. talk from the uh, most prominent scientist alive today the only scientist geologist who walked on the moon uh we had a great luncheon earlier today and we'll, we'll have time to get into that later in the show we certainly will we'll probably do that next um, but before we do well uh we've got alarms sounding uh the types of things that are being said by your president uh would not be allowable at any other time at any other point in history Especially if a certain president, um, I don't know, say in the 50s, 60s, 70s, would have said something to the effect that, I have cancer. Um, those are alarmist words, to be sure. That's, um, you know, I think the equivalent of, of saying, well, not long for this world. And really, I think, you know, the bigger question is, uh, is he long for this presidency? I think uh, there's probably a line somewhere out there that uh, they're taking all comers who would put and pony up whatever amount of money to say that, will Joe Biden be here after 2022, 2023? Will he get reelected? Should he be reelected? Will the Democrats actually put him up for 2024? Let's just get this out of the way first. Joe Biden will not be the Democrat nominee for 2024. There's zero doubt at this point uh, that he is, uh, pardon the pun, Biden his time uh, for the time that he is actually in the White House. And I don't think that that, yes, folks, I came up that with that all on my own, believe it or not. Um, we will be seeing uh, somebody new at the top of the ticket. I've already stated that it'll be Michelle Obama, uh, very likely Obama, uh, the Obama faction, uh, either uh, dare say is running the country at this point. And then you'll see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. They'll take a very, very populist leftist approach as they uh, cede to, I think, the Soros brand, the very leftist brand, the globalist brands uh, that are out there, and run their game on the populations uh, throughout the world. And uh, I don't think that is going to be slowing up anytime soon. I think more importantly, in the near term, um, I don't know if that's the next week or the next year or the next few months, uh, Biden uh, could be out as uh, president um, in terms of an operational uh, standpoint because he is, quote unquote, sick with COVID. Um, this is a man who has been vaccinated and twice boosted. And I think if uh, we are looking at some of the reports that came out last year at the end of the year, I believe it was uh, November, there were a number of reports that came out talking about Joe Biden's health, how how healthy is Joe Biden? Well, um, 
I would imagine he's much healthier than I am, um, for one, because he is vaccinated. And then he's twice as healthy after that because he's boosted. And there's no way that a man like that, uh, who is kept and very well kept and keeping all of the you know, ailments that uh, sort of entrench everybody else away from him. But it's not to be. No, the man has COVID. Well, last November, they were saying, well, Biden's doctors uh, say that he's healthy, but suffers a stiff gait. I don't know what even a gait is. I'm uh, imagining that has something to do with his inability to walk. Uh, We have certainly made excuses for his ability to climb a flight of stairs, whether that's into Air Force One, whether that's uh, to seemingly just walk across um, a large green area or sidewalks. He certainly, I think, stutters in his step, for lack of a better way of conveying that uh, to you. Uh, The man is not straight up. He is not somebody, uh, I think, that exudes um, a level of virility that we would like to see, a pardon uh, to the uh, feminists out there for that comment, but a level of virility that we'd like to see in our commander, or not our commandress in chief. Uh, you will soon have one if you decide to not participate. So uh, this article coming out by way of Bloomberg, um, they don't want to see the likes of Trump or any Republican uh, in office. They say President Joe Biden is healthy, remains fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency. Okay, we'll believe that. But the president is suffering from a perceptibly stiffer and less fluid gait following a series of injuries. Wow, that doesn't sound healthy. And is experiencing a more frequent need to clear his throat. If we're talking about injuries, falling off a bike or falling down in front of his family in a private area, we've certainly seen those injuries, and they have not been amplified by the mainstream media. Insofar as the conservative media can amplify it, they've done so, but uh, to no takers, because I don't think Democrat or Republican, any one of us wants to see our president uh, being feeble, weak, um, you know, even meek-minded, as he has been. I think that that's a real problem, because after all, we are still the hegemonic power in the world for the time being, as of this July the uh, 21st. But uh, WebMD... Uh, which I think many people can actually, you know, look into a little bit more seriously, is uh, took a closer look at Joe Biden's health. What did they say? How healthy is Biden? Well, according to WebMD, run by many leftists, uh, by the way, quite healthy, according to the most recent medical assessment released by his doctor, the report from Kevin O'Connor, Irish doctor, associate professor, I'm not sure what we're talking about, a doctor of orthopedics, uh, of medicine at George Washington University. He called Biden vigorous and fit to successfully be president. Oftentimes, the mental and physical health of the president throughout time has always uh, been uh, something that has been at the center of attention. We need to only go back to John F. Kennedy or perhaps Ronald Reagan and his mental uh, aptitude. Uh, dare I say it, uh, many people uh, commented on the Flab, uh, flabby, uh, flabbiness, if you will, or um, a growing uh, waistband of Donald Trump, who is the fourth tallest president in the history of this country. It went on to say at the time of his exam, Joe Biden, five, 5 feet, 11 inches, 178 pounds, a blood pressure of 128 over 84. Um, those are his uh, metrics. Biden has a 79% chance of living through a first term and a 70% chance of surviving through a second term. Here's the real number that you need to know. I'm punting on this. Joe Biden won't make it till the end of the year as president of the United States. 
all the uh, planets are aligned, things have sort of come into focus. And it seems to me that uh, he is being set up to be replaced. And I think uh, there is a, you know, a high level of desperation that's happening right now within the Democrat Party um, as we continue to see uh, the comeuppance uh, in a number of blue states, but particularly in the red states where we're getting super majorities in places like uh, Idaho. Um, they are being pushed out. And I think they can no longer have, Don, uh, excuse me, President Biden at the helm. Uh, in as much as Donald Trump is a sort of liability to the Republican Party, I think Biden is at least twice that. So Joe Biden made a huge gap stated that he had cancer, which everyone can watch that video and has been playing in conservative media all day, saying that uh, all the people of uh, Delaware have been suffering through cancer, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not funny. Uh, what's worse is it's even less funny that he's saying that because the man does not even know whether or not he has cancer if we're to take him seriously, as we should always be taking our president pretty seriously. But the gaffe that he sort of fumbled through, I think, led to a, a bigger uh, problem in that we started looking at President Biden's health. And not even 24 hours later, in fact, all of 11 and a half hours later, Joe Biden's afflicted with COVID. Now, what does this mean for you? Get boosted, get jabbed. Are you going to? You're less likely to do so now more than ever. Why? Well, the spillover that comes from the side effects and the fact that, hey, someone who's boosted once, uh, boosted twice and jabbed once, uh, he didn't, was not able to go ahead and stave off the Rona, isn't going to go ahead and motivate and influence you to go ahead and get the jab or any boosters uh, at this point. The second thing is I think this is a long-drawn setup for a greater sort of 9-11. There's nothing else that can be manufactured. I've already put it to you. I let you know that at no time that you should underestimate the Democrats' uh, sort of ability to gaslight you and their need for drama. And here it is, folks. This is going to be the slow-rolling setup uh, to go ahead and ouster Joe Biden out of office. Um, a lot has happened in the last month, not the least of which a former president, conservative president, or prime minister or head of state in Japan, Shinzo Abe, assassinated uh, about a week ago. You had Boris Johnson, uh, who was removed from office, uh, who likely might be actually be going back into office, depending upon what happens with the conservative party. They're having their own uh, problems. And then you have a number of uh, leaders who have also fallen. The Italian leader has left. The Sri Lankan pr uh, president has been ousted, and so on and so forth. You are seeing a lot of pressure on the executive overall. And I think that this is all generated by and large by many of the globalists uh, who are on the side here, at least in this country, on the liberal. So taking a look at the big picture and really evaluating here, I cannot look at the month of December and think that Joe Biden is going to continue to be our president. Not in this level of economic consternation, certainly the highest level of inflation that we've experienced in the last 40 years. Um, the, it's the economy stupid. Voters are going to look at this and say, we're going to go ahead and punish it. They cannot take that. They need to make uh, some sort of switch at this point. And the logical switch is to go ahead and remove the president where he's at. They've already set the stage. They've wet your palate uh, with other leaders throughout the world uh, being replaced. And then, of course, there's the international conflicts and the fact that, well, you know what, what's going on over there is going on over here. Well, they try to gaslight the Russians and say that uh, Vladimir Putin, I cannot find a concrete report 
on whether or not Vladimir Putin is indeed sick with cancer. There's nothing to suggest uh, something concrete on that report. I think uh, that would certainly weaken the Russian position, and I don't know that Russia has been uh, any stronger. So taking a look at a 30,000-foot view of uh, this country at this point, in my opinion, you will likely have a new president come 2023. I can't see it any other way. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. How does that all come down? What's the cram down? What is the succession of the uh, sort of next stages uh, of, of that? You know, what is the next, the next uh, shoe to fall, shoe to drop? What are we looking at? I'd love to get your thoughts on that uh, here this afternoon. If you guys want to go ahead and dial in, you can dial in directly on the other lines, and uh, or you can text in directly at 550-5500. That's 550-5500. D-Dowd Muska, your thoughts on um, the opener today? Well, I did uh, did exactly what what, what part of my job here uh, is at the Rock of Talk, ladies and gentlemen. I took down the quote from the owner of this station and host of this program, and... uh, yeah, I'm going to read it back to you, uh, exact quote. Joe Biden, quote, won't make it to the end of the year as president of the United States. Now, I assume Eddie is talking about the year 2022. That is a bold, bold prediction from a, from, from a man who's known for making bold predictions. And uh, we have it uh, documented in the show notes today, and we're going to hold him to it when December 31st comes around. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dad. I think it's important uh, because there's just way too many things that are happening to the Democrats, uh, uh, and they've done everything else. I mean, the leak of the Roe v. Wade stuff, and then, you know, inevitably, you know, playing the race card, and then uh, manufacturing votes, and the January 6th stuff. And I think there's way too much come up and and karma being served up uh, by the the, the Trump right. Uh, And I'm going to call it the Trump right because I'm also going to backpedal a little bit is that unless Donald Trump decides to go ahead and uh, necessarily not run, that's the only way DeSantis decides to run. There's so much strength. There's so much in the uh, treasure uh, chest of uh, DeSantis. You know, he can run until the cows comes home, but it's my opinion uh, that Donald Trump has likely already made up his mind based upon the 158 record that he has compiled uh, by way of his endorsements. I'm looking at various commercials on uh, Arizona networks right now. Uh, certainly Donald Trump will be here on Saturday in Prescott, Prescott, as they say, Arizona, uh, doing his, um, you know, rain down on behalf of uh, Carrie. I forget her last name. I don't think that she's going to necessarily make it out. The Arizona Republicans are quite different from the rest of the Trump Republicans throughout the rest of the country. And it's a little bit bluer here. Uh, it should be stated. But I got to tell you, I am uh, not seeing any silver lining without them making huge changes on the Democrat side of the ticket. It's just not going to happen. Heck, uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham, uh, I think, sees uh, Joe Biden as a uh, liability. So, you know, does the rest of the country uh, continue to, you know, run itself into the mud just to go ahead and preserve Joe Biden? I don't think that 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 is going to happen. I think uh, people have had these indefensible positions on every single issue because Joe Biden has failed on every single issue, no matter where you're at, these blue states are certainly suffering. An interesting scenario came by way of a conversation I talked to the Politico earlier today, and he is—he suggested that if Kamala Harris decides to go ahead and leave and find some big George Soros-funded position, that they'll bring in Gavin Newsom to be VP and uh, pave the way for the next Pelosi 
um, uh, takeover of this country. She's the third most powerful person in the entire country, Dowd, as you know, mm. as being a speaker of the House. And uh, why not bring in her nephew to go ahead and run things? I mean, this is a, a, a truly interesting times, but it's something to consider um, just based upon what we're hearing today. Um, this information that I'm seeing from Joe Biden, Joe Biden's made up stories, uh, this one coming from the New York Post, uh, this one dated a little while ago, December 3rd, 2021, raised serious questions about his mental health. And I think, you know, that's really what we want. Let's not forget uh, FDR. Um, you know, he was uh, incapacitated, but he was still able to manage the presidency. But uh, many people thought Eleanor Roosevelt was running the country for the last two years uh, of, of uh, his presidency. But, um, you know, between Joe Biden's liability with his son's um, or his son, I should say, Hunter Biden. And then, of course, the gas that he's making publicly, the liability is way too much, I think, for them to bear at this point. He has a, a long history, as everybody knows, of dishonesty and then covering it up with some snide remark or some, you know, humorous uh, little cutting remark that he makes either towards himself, his history, or uh, maybe somebody uh, in the room. Let's not forget that his own wife isn't beyond that, uh, talking about Hispanics recently in San Antonio. So you only need to refer to, uh, to that. I mean, it is a bad face overall for the um, uh, Democrat Party, and they know that they are, uh, you know, fit to be removed at this point. Jill Biden, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, what she said last week, we didn't even address this because it's just not funny. Uh, you know, the way that she refers to, you know, Hispanic people, uh, I, I got to say that if you're a Hispanic person and you're not taking offense to that and you have the likes of Joe Monahan here locally defending that, it's just absolutely ridiculous. How does anybody make excuses uh, for the leadership here in, in this country? 550-5500, that's 550-5500. And uh, another joke that was made earlier, I don't know that I find it that funny, but it is true. And that, of course, is uh, sending somebody in place of Joe Biden. You know, why not send um, <laughs> why not send Pete Buttigieg uh, to Saudi Arabia? Well, you can't do that because we all know what happens to his type in Saudi Arabia. Uh, back after a quick break uh, here in the Kiva, we're going to jump into a quick conversation with Dowd about what happened to him today, where he went, who he visited with, and why it actually matters. Because a lot of people don't know the man on the moon, one of the last ones left, lives right here in Albuquerque. 423, back in Give it to me
previous occupant uh, doing all their various psychological analyses and uh, that was perfectly okay but apparently yeah, on the left uh, to question the mental competence of the guy in there now uh, completely completely out of bounds uh, I just think that's more of a little uh, double standard from our friends on the left I'm just glad that uh, the double standard exists so I can be the only one and who can say I told you so when it indeed does happen uh, this coming in from one of uh, our subscribers, and don't forget, you can subscribe for less than 20 cents a day, and you can uh, hear all the musings of, obviously, D. Dowd Muska, but you can also see the musings of this man, Steve Chavez. The Democrats will prop up Biden until the midterm election, like a weekend at Bernie's, and, and then he will retire. Then we'll get President Kamala, and more worrisome is her VP pick, Susan Rice, Eric Holder, or someone more radical than that from Obama circle. Uh, Hot Sauce checks in with, if, Bo if Bozo stepped down before the election, wouldn't that be a bigger gaslight lever for the snowflakes than after the election? Bet you a beer that Bozo steps down by September 1st. Mm. Uh, so all of that uh, predictions all coming in. 
And then uh, Murder Mike's uh, checking in, letting you know that he's coming in with some brand new information to kick off the 5 o'clock hour, but not before uh, he's upstaged by a man who had quite the day himself. Um, stages of all stages, 53 years ago yesterday, we walked on the moon, and Dowd had the opportunity to meet just such a man who walked the moon, who lives right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, he goes by Jack to uh, friends and loved ones, but you know him as former Republican Senator Harrison Schmidt or, or um, Ph.D. Dr. Harrison Schmidt, who made it to the moon on December 12th and 13th of 1972. Must have been an exciting day for you, D. Dowd. It was interesting. Uh, we had a, a, an, uh, a, an invitation, I guess. I'm trying to look for the right word. A uh, friend of the show who will be uh, not be named uh, because, uh, you know, we don't want to dox anyone in this crazy culture we have in America. But anyway, uh, high-ranking uh, person in the military-industrial complex, frankly. And we have a lot of those uh, who are fans of the show, people who work for national labs and military organizations, or they might be civilian contractors for the for the Pentagon. So, uh, yeah, I, I was allowed to attend this event. It was kind of... Seem to be co-sponsored by uh, New Space New Mexico, which is this kind of uh, nonprofit designed to. I mean, I, I I agree with their goal, but I just wish they were a little bolder on the policy agenda uh, and also the professional aerospace contractors. For interns to also meet someone who uh, has a little bit of notoriety, of course, uh, Harrison Jack Schmidt, uh, uh, a 87 years young. Uh, he flew, he was a PhD, he got his PhD in, in geology, the, as I say, the only scientist to have gone to the moon. New Mexico native down there in the Silver City area, uh, ended up going to Cal, uh, California Institute of Technology, Caltech, and then that's his undergrad, then he did graduate work at, um, he went on to the University of Oslo to do graduate work as a Fulbright scholar, ended up getting his PhD in geology from Harvard back when a Harvard degree, degree really, really meant something, uh, made his way into the astronaut program. That was group four. Not a lot of super famous astronauts in group four. Uh, Owen Garriott, Edward Gibson, Dwayne Graveland, a couple of these guys didn't even actually fly into space. They left, uh, they left NASA before uh, getting assigned to a crew, but Jack Schmidt was not one of them. He went to the moon a few months after I was born in December 1972. That was, of course, the last, uh, Apollo 17 was the last mission. The last three missions were canceled. I, don't know, I forget if it was the Johnson administration or the Nixon administration. They were going to do 18, 19, and 20. But uh, it's really interesting when you study the history of the politics of that and how, uh, yes, America was very, very proud of, of, of avenging Sputnik in 1957. Twelve years later, it was avenged by the, the Kennedy race to the moon that the Soviets, uh, we didn't find out till many years later, they actually were racing us to the moon. They just didn't make it. Uh, and NASA did this. I'll, I'll tell a story about what Jack Schmidt said about NASA back then. It was just absolutely fascinating how many young people were uh, in charge of very, very important things then. But uh, Jack is, uh, I tell you, 87 years young. Uh, Eddie Sharp as a tack. Uh, you know, when I'm 55, I hope I'm as sharp as Jack Schmidt is, uh, is at 87. Uh, he, I think Eddie, you've said on the air, uh, he's a fan of the show. He does uh, listen when he can, uh, he's a native I don't Mexican. know, Dale. Is he a fan of the show? That's a good question. Well, I will say this, and I maybe I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but uh, Jack was mobbed by interns and, and, and other people, uh, basically the interns at various space companies in New Mexico. I've never denied we, we have a few space companies in New Mexico with very small staffs. You know, we're not Florida. You know, we're not Texas. We're not Arizona. Uh, there's a couple companies, uh, Solero. They do the... Um, 
solar panels uh, for spacecraft, and then a company that was actually acquired recently by Redwire. Uh, they do deployable structures, mechanical design, and structural testing. They're actually in the building I'm sitting in right now. Uh, we're, we're kind of in aerospace defense alley here, uh, over here at the Kiva. And, of course, we defend the industry uh, when it's behaving well, when it's uh, you know charging uh, $300 a toilet seat. Uh, we, we, we will attack the industry. But uh, I was in with some heavy, heavy uh, you know, Air Force Research Lab guys, uh, people, a lot of talk about how they can harden, you know, they want to harden their satellites against uh, attack from potential adversaries, that kind of stuff, missile defense, nuclear and missile stuff uh, all day today. And this is a group of people, and, you know, I've always said I'm a huge supporter of our nuclear deterrent. Uh, I had Eddie, and I just told you an hour ago, I had a guy come up to me, uh, look, just looked like an aerospace geek kind of guy, you know, super smart dude, came over, he just stuck his hand out. I don't know how he knows what I look like or who the heck I was, but he said, I listen to you all the time. Uh, that gentleman got a pad and a sticker, a Rock of Talk pad and a Rock of Talk uh, sticker. But moving back to uh, uh, Jack, who is sharp as a uh, tack, uh, he had a very funny joke, probably the funniest thing he said today was, when they ignite the second stage, when you go into that translunar injection after the first stage falls away, it, quote, Gets your attention, close quote. It, it, it does. Once you go into translunar injection and you're flown back against the seat, uh, you I, I imagine it does get your get your attention. Uh, he did make a partisan uh, argument, though. It was kind of interesting. He said that we wouldn't have had the moon program. Kennedy gets all the credit. And, and as I've written many times in the last decade or decade and a half, the, the, the recordings have come out about Kennedy in the White House talking to James Webb, the NASA administrator, uh, the, the great Kennedy worshipped by b baby boomers, this great visionary that sent us to the moon. Kennedy is on tape saying, I'm not that interested in space because, of course, with the Kennedy family, it was all about appearance and, and not substance. So that kind of dashed the dreams and the hopes and the image that the baby boomers uh, maintain. But uh, Jack said Ike approved and we have a document uh, uh, sent to uh, Mr. Glennon, one of the senior NASA officials. Uh, saying move ahead on development of the super booster before Ike left office, of course, replaced by Jack Kennedy. Uh, and as Mr. Dr. Schmidt, astronaut Schmidt said today, uh, no Saturn rockets, uh, no, no moonshot. So it was interesting that he made that point defending Eisenhower without being too partisan about it. But uh, he wanted to uh, give, give credit where credit is due. Uh, a lot of questions. That's about really awesome, actually. The fact that he actually stated that yeah. um, after the profession, I think, is, is an important point uh, that was made um, so that way the right people are also always attributed. Because let's not forget, these, put, these people put in a tremendous amount of work and oftentimes uh, who the media despise to, uh, to spin and recognize yep. isn't always the people who behind the scenes are. And I think that's an important uh, comment. Uh, I think you should... Uh, be something that everyone takes notice of. What else? Yeah, well, actually, there's a great book called Secret Empire, uh, parenthetically, about all of Ike's research and technology development under Ike that ended up coming to fruition in the 1960s. And Ike was willing to stick with these programs because he was so concerned about not having enough intelligence about the Soviet Union. And maybe these two countries would blunder their way into war. Uh, and so Ike does not get the credit. And kudos to Jack for mentioning that. Uh, I, I had to, the soy boy who asked the question about the overview effect, I, I had to, I had to, I had to take this down as much as I could. And I wish I got the exact quote because there was so much being said. Um, there's this concept of the overview effect. A lot of astronauts have come back from space uh, and William Shatner more recently came back and was blathering about, you know, we're destroying planet earth. And it just makes you realize that we're all one people. And, you know, it, it, the environmental movement leftists have used these comments blah, by blah, astronauts blah. over the years yeah. uh, to sort of advance their agenda. The, you know, the environmentalists have made a lot of hay with the space program over the year because of over the years, because of the pictures of earth, the, the famous pale blue dot, which by the way, was taken by Jack Schmidt. 
uh, here in Albuquerque today. Or, or oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, that's, it was. That's going into the Kiva. That's going into the Kiva right there. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So what, you know, the left is very good at leveraging things that have nothing to do with them for their purposes. So they have been pushing forward this overview effect concept that, oh, if, if we all could just go up into space like the astronauts have, we'd look back and we'd see how fragile the Earth is. Of course, the Earth is not is nothing is entirely uh, is nothing but I mean, it's not flat fragile at all, ladies and gentlemen. But it's four billion years uh, old and it's it's handled a lot of things and it's going to keep going. Um, don't don't get me into the George Carlin routine because that, that he has a brilliant routine on environmentalism. So he said, did you experience the overview effect? So here's Jack's exact quote, his, his response. The overview effect? Explain. He doesn't even know what it is, okay? That's our Jack Schmidt here in New Mexico. I was immensely proud. He didn't even know what it was. He asked the young soy boy to explain what the hell he's talking about, and, you know, he gave some convoluted explanation. And so here's how Jack replied. I don't have it word for word, but it's just uh, it's hysterical. Uh, I did not experience that. I am a geologist. The Earth did not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, wow. just, just, just such a basic, you know, down to, down, well, I mean, you know, nuts and bolts kind of guy. Uh, very, very funny. Uh, and I, I, I don't think anybody in the room, maybe I'm the only one in the room who got what was going on there. But uh, we, we love Jack. And Jack has been very public in uh, not embracing the global warming narrative. And he's taken a lot of shots. I was just doing some research 10 minutes ago. Newsweek was attacking him for being a, a climate change denier. Um, a lot of other interesting, just interesting comments. What really surprised me more than anything as, a, as an amateur space guy uh, was this idea, uh, this debate that's been going on about the source of the moon. Where did the moon come from? Uh, a lot of people have, I guess, the consensus now, and this is where Jack really, uh, really, I mean, this is just fantastic. Let me, get the, let me get the exact quote about how science is not about consensus. Oh, my goodness. Oh, quote, science should not operate on consensus. I think we know what he might have been talking about beyond the, the moon uh, theory. So what Jack said is, I, I, I guess if you polled Earth scientists or planetary scientists now, a majority would say there was some kind of impact event and then that ejecta coalesced into the moon, uh, a planetary body hit the Earth billions and billions of years ago, uh, cast off material, and then that material you know, accreted and congealed and spun into the sphere that, that is the moon. And what Jack was saying, uh, he's, for a guy, for an 87-year-old, to be open to new ideas, to willing to be in the minority. You know, do you know a lot of people over the age of about 14 who are willing to change their minds on anything? Uh, he, he, I thought this was just really, really uh, fascinating. He thinks the moon formed, uh, it accreted, as they say in planetary science, with the same material that came together to coalesce, to coalesce to create the Earth. And it was sort of in our neighborhood, and the Earth just captured it. And he said, and I've got I've to look this up, that the isotopic composition of the soil regolith of the Earth and the Moon are the same, the isotopic composition, to six decimal places. So that suggests to him that basically these two planetary bodies were uh, formed out of the same stuff. Um, and again, he admitted, he said that's a minority view, but he says it's also growing. More people are starting to see, see it the way um, I see it, which is really, uh, I had not uh, expected that. At all, at all. And, and I guess the final point would be about NASA back back in the day. And he contrasted what was going on then in the Apollo era versus, well, he didn't make it explicit, but let's just say how government operates today. Uh, he said the thing that impressed him most about NASA, and this actually conforms very, very close to what I've been thinking about for 25 years as I've been looking into space history and space policy. He said uh, the average age of the engineers on the Earth working on the Apollo 13 accident was 26 
Okay, these were 26-year-olds trying to keep these three men alive and get them, not only keep them alive, but get them back to back to the home planet after having to scrap the landing, of course, because of the uh, mixing the tanks and the fuel cell blew up. He said when he first arrived at NASA, the first thing he noticed that when there was a problem, as there often was a problem, dealing with some difficulty or defect or, pro- or you know, issue uh, of concern, he said young people, these mostly in their 20s, would come together and immediately diagnose the source of the problem and outline solutions. And he said, oftentimes this would be done overnight. And the next day at NASA, the big top guys like James Webb, Mr. Glennon, um, George Lowe, they would have a, a manager would have basically a proposal or a plan on their desk waiting for them how to deal with this difficulty that we've encountered. I mean, that does not sound like government employees today. Uh, and I've always said when it comes to uh, avenging the slight we had, uh, the Soviets being the first in orbit, uh, the moonshot was really a, it was a war footing uh, in this country. And he mentioned 400,000 people. Uh, he actually mentioned that in response to the overview effect question. He said what, it wasn't so much being awed by the earth. He said, I was awed by the 400,000 people, 400,000 Americans working on a common goal uh, to get us to the moon and beat the Soviets and, and, and avenge uh, the insult. But, uh, I, you know, that's why I've always thought when people praise the moonshot and they praise NASA, what they fail to understand, the, the lefties who say, you know, we can we can be 100 percent clean energy tomorrow. We can have, you know, electric vehicles tomorrow. We just need another moonshot. And, and Apollo, this moonshot proves that we can do this. That was a war footing. A lot of these people were former military, uh, you know, people who had been in Korea, been in World War II. Uh, the Cold War was seen as an existential threat. This was another battlefield in the Cold War. And that's why those 26-year-olds were up overnight outlining solutions for NASA management. That, once the, once the goal was achieved and man was on the moon and the Soviets were defeated, NASA became pretty much like any other government bureaucracy, you know, greedy, selfish, self-sustaining, constantly trying to protect its turf. So uh, it it was a narrow window in time where, yes, it was a collective effort. It was a government effort. It was tax dollars spent. But the idea that you can just easily replicate that with, you know, solving, you know, curing cancer or 100 percent green energy, uh, we've had that trotted out for decades. You know, if we put a man on the moon, we can do this. Uh, it was a war footing. These guys worked 23 hours a day and brave, brave, brave men, mostly brave. men. Certainly the astronauts were all men. Uh, and it was it was interesting to hear Jack's perspective on that. But I'll just close with this. He is very high, very high on the private sector. And he was basically saying the new moonshot, the Artemis program, NASA is going to have to leverage the innovation of the private sector. Now he had good things to say about SpaceX and I think Jack is is interesting. He's from the old world, but he's also aware of the, of the new space world. And uh, you know, come on, uh, a, 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 tr- a true American hero. This is coming from a libertarian. Uh, I never have anything good to say about a government employee. Uh, Jack Schmidt deserves an exemption from the Muska rule. Uh, and it was just a joy to hear him talk today. Congratulations, Howard. I think it's a big day for you. It's a big day, certainly. I think uh, for the uh, station, a big day for New Mexico. I imagine uh, they'll soon be erecting a statue uh, to recognize Harrison Jack Smith, uh, Schmidt inside uh, the state of New Mexico. I mean, after all the breaking uh, bad clowns, uh, this by way of yes. one of our listeners, Levi, he says, here it is. Where's the statue of Harrison Jack Schmidt? Yet these made up clowns are getting statuses and statues uh, in the city. And sure enough, uh, here it is. I'm looking at this uh, particular uh, statue that's being erected for non-native New Mexicans. Um, these guys, uh, Cranston and uh, what's the other kid uh, that's oh, there? Wow. 
that everybody seems to love so much. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Pinkman, uh, yeah. Aaron, Aaron, Paul, Pinkman. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul, yeah, are getting statues uh, recognized by your Democrats. And 50 years hence, uh, Harrison Jack Schmidt is not. I just want to say if a statue indeed does go up of him, I think uh, both Dowd and I will uh, take a little bit of credit for getting it done uh, because uh, it should be done before the 50th anniversary of his moonshot uh, there and actually physically walking on the moon. There was one particular question I wanted asked, um, and I told your partner who joined you, he who should not be named or uh, he who should be uh, permanently rejected by the Republican Party. Or, we'll or leave she, it he that. or she. <laughs> He or she, excuse me, that's right. Uh, if there's anybody who has uh, feminine energy, it would be that, that uh, he, she, right? Um, and, I, and I texted it to him, and I, I, I was like, I need to know the answer to this question. So as I indicated before, I'm the owner of o Omega Speedmaster for uh, just because you know, I love the idea of the moon. Um, you know, I love the idea of timekeeping. Obviously, radio is a very, very important. And, you know, uh, the exacting measure, however inexact we are over at Kiva, is also very important to me. But um, they oftentimes with the Omega uh, watch company, which is located in Geneva, um, and obviously home of CERN as well, uh, oftentimes recognizes his uh, co um Guy and I don't know. I don't have his name right off the top of my head. Uh, the guy that rode with him uh, and and oh, Gene hopped Cernan, on the moon. Yeah. Gene Cernan is recognized by Omega, but uh, Harrison Schmidt is not. And I'm sort of you know offended by it because at some point either they flipped a coin, they decided amongst themselves. How did they decide who was going to be the last person to leave the surface of the moon? Because uh, Gene Cernan is oftentimes recognized uh, by just about everybody universally as the last man on the moon. But the true last man on the moon is Harrison Jack Schmidt mm -hmm. because he is the only, he is the last man on the moon who is alive uh, yes. to this day. As you mentioned 87 years young. Did anybody ask that question or think to ask that question? Because, you know, that is something that could only belong to one person on the face of the earth. No, I, you know, I, a lot of young kids, this was mostly an intern event with some of us old gray beards kind of in the back, Eddie, uh, mostly interested in, uh, I'm sad to say, kind of soy boy stuff. The other question I did not uh, mention was, uh, 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 Mr. Schmidt, you went at a time when government was uh, involved in space and, and running the show. Uh, do you have any reservations about the private sector being involved in space so much now? Because God forbid, you know, some company makes a profit oh, brother. Uh, in, in space. But no, Jack. <laughs> and he, he, held, he, he held his own. But uh, we are down to Buzz Aldrin, Dave Scott, Charlie Duke, and Jack Schmidt. Uh, of the 12 men who walked on the moon, there's, uh, there's only four left. And I will just add, as we run out of time, I got to meet and I, our, my, our, our friend there suggested that I go talk to uh, the wife, Mrs. Schmidt, who was one of the most loveliest human beings I've met in, in a long time. And uh, Eddie, I said to her, uh, we, we, we just want to, you know, before December or in December, we'd love to have uh, Mr. Schmidt astronaut schmidt dr schmidt come in uh on the, on the 50th anniversary and i said you know i i work with eddie aragon and and rock of talk just around the corner here and she said every day at four o'clock i turn it on to listen to you guys so she that's Mrs. unbelievable schmidt, uh is it is a fan yeah. uh, and a wonderful lady to talk to and as someone suggested at the event because i couldn't even get to jack schmidt because he was you know mobbed uh, they said, you know, the, the smart thing to do in a situation like that is go talk to the wife because she really knows what's going on uh, more than more than the husband often does when the husband is this big, you know, worldwide celebrity and, and deservedly so. So we had a nice, uh, nice exchange. And um, not only did I get uh, the Eddie Aragon contact, contact information into the hands of 
Mrs. Schmidt, she gave me their card with their personal email written in pen on the back. So we have a direct line to the Schmitz now, Mr. Aragon. Wow. Uh, and I, I, I consider that high, high praise, and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm just, I'm just dying to have him in here if we can get him in before the 50th anniversary or any other time he wants. You'll be treated like the king that he is. Um, I also want to make one more uh, point. He is also the last elected Republican senator yes. from the state of New Mexico, yes. which was way back, if you can think of a drought, was way back in 1976 when he was elected senator to go to Washington, D.C. I find that to be quite curious because the other Republican senator, of course, was none other than uh, Pete Domenici. Pete Domenici. And uh, Ron Reagan, actually, Ronald Reagan, President Ron Reagan, uh, made a trip here to New Mexico to uh, try and help out uh, Harrison Schmidt, who uh, ultimately um, lost to, unfortunately, uh, Senator Jeff Bingham. And so here you go. We've got a lot to cover here uh, here this afternoon. We're going to get to crime, unfortunately, so it's going to be a letdown. Uh, thank you, Eddie and Dowd, for educating your listeners. NASA then versus now. Great job, Dowd. Uh, Murder Mike is just outside the door, Eric. And uh, here we go. I met Harrison Schmidt when I was 13 at a Rotary Club event in Rio Rancho. If you've got a Harrison Schmidt story, we want to hear it. It is a great legacy for the state of New Mexico and certainly the Republican Party as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the top of the hour. Thanks for listening. Back with the con report from Murder Mike. Wait out, I can be free. Ain't no one gonna fight me. Ain't no hangman gonna. You ain't gonna put a rope around me. You better believe it, baby. I gotta go. Hey, Joe. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. I am Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk on AM 600 KIVAQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming at you from the ABQ as well as other environs in an in a undisclosed location in a bunker far, far away. Uh, don't forget, you can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, where you can see Dowd, and, uh, well, we're going to talk to Murder Mike here shortly. He has uh, survived uh, the throes of, you know, Albuquerque and its environs uh, through 82 homicides now. We'll get to those uh, momentarily. It's been quiet the last few nights, but nonetheless, there's still a lot going on in the uh, ABQ. Um, we're we're going to stall out Murder Mike here probably at least for the next uh, 20 minutes as Dowd and I delve deeper into the mystery that is the unrecognized uh, Harrison Jack Schmidt, uh, quote-unquote Jack Schmidt, and we'll delve into that. Uh, don't forget, you can catch us on podcasts on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as Audible for you who like to read with your ears. Uh, and I always like to say my favorite word uh, is earball, because in radio, we don't use eyeballs, we use earballs. And I'm trying to earball it, can't really tell what's going on, so I'm constantly earballing things, which is kind of fun. Um, and then uh, don't forget, you can uh, download our apps directly at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. And please don't cough on the mic, uh, murder mic. And uh, you could, of course, go to, yeah, there's uh, aim it the other way there, big boy. We've got that mic in, in use <laughs> tomorrow. Trouble already. Besides, uh, we, we don't want to get 
uh, you gotta you gotta stay off that mic, murder mic, you're murdering the mic. And then uh, don't forget, you can uh, also always subscribe to less than twenty cents a day and become a little bit more intelligent. Uh, a, a very unintelligent uh, Orlando Garcia chimes in. I can't wait to. Uh, read through all of the various texts that this uh, stupid man has decided to go ahead and text in. So uh, yesterday, I got it. By the way, Dowd, um, you know, uh, the man must not have slept well, but former gubernatorial candidate and recognized by the party faithful as the man who is going to ascend to the throne and take on one Michelle Lujan Grisham. Jay Block was not without his uh, uh, decision to go ahead and continue texting me. He also decided not to recognize who you were, uh, which I thought was also very funny, seeing as you were a man that he wanted to hire to handle all his policy stuff, and thank God that didn't happen. I am? Um, <laughs> That's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's something that he came to me with, um, so I will put that out there. Just like uh, he also did in contact, quote-unquote, Jay McCluskey. Uh, yet we found out later that he indeed do uh, such a thing. But Orlando Garcia, being the stupid man that he is, let me give you a litany of his texts uh, since June 21st. Uh, here is a, quote-unquote, listener, uh, if you can call him such a thing. He doesn't listen very well. He's uh, more of a retorter, and I have plenty of those here. It says, uh, this is after me making uh, the strong suggestion and, and urging to not vote for one Karen Bedoni. Um, and the reason was that the few votes that Mark Ronchetti could prevail with uh, would likely be usurped by uh, sort of an anger undertow of Republicans who decided to go ahead and leave the um, uh, plantation, if you want to refer to it as that, uh, uh, in the Republican Party and vote for one Karen Bedoni, who placed third in the CD3 uh, race. And he, here's Orlando uh, or Garcia's quote, June 21st at 5.34 p.m. Karen Bedoni is only going to draw vote, votes from the Democrats. Wow, what a stupid man. Democrats vote off of race, and the Native Americans lean left. He continues two days later to say, Karen is only going to draw votes from the Democrats yet again. Democrats vote off of race, and the Native Americans lean left. He repeats that two days, two separate days. Um, here he is on more stuff, July the 13th. My cousin has a Tesla. His, he's an independent that votes mainly right. His sexual preference is questionable. You might remember I called into question of whether or not any of you have uh, any sort of connections, friendships, relationships with people who own Teslas. I do not. Um, the one man who I uh, did happen to know that owned a Tesla uh, had alligator arms at a very expensive restaurant and yet uh, decided on two separate occasions to go ahead and send his food back because it was one not cooked to the correct temperature and the other one was something else. Yeah. So these are Tesla owners. Uh, here's more from Orlando Garcia. Valencia County went heavy for Ronchetti over Ben Ray for Senate. Will be the same for governor. Okay. Coming to a census, right? Oh, no. Today at 3.58 or 4.58 p.m., he writes, a flag cannot ripple in the vacuum of space. That's a complete and total insult oh, here to Dowd. Yep. Yeah, here we go. The moon bats are out, yep. and uh, here they are. Uh, I told him, you're an idiot. I cannot wait to tee off on you to start the 5 o'clock hour, as <laughs> promised I am. Um, and he goes, have you not watched the Ranch Netflix series? Oh, that's all I need to know about you. You get your information from Netflix? Wow. After we have continued to uh, destroy that and slay that dragon time after time, and you call yourself a Kiva listener, and I said, hey, 
F you. And I said, I didn't, he says, I didn't think you'd get this upset over a joke. And I said, you are a stupid man. So uh, there you go. There's the follow-up to that. Well, Eddie, and funny, you, out- you mentioned that I, I, when I was talking to Mrs. Schmidt uh, an hour or two ago, um, sort of sorting out our contact information. And I, I said, I, I was just joking around with her because you might not know this uh, listening audience, but I can be very charming when I want to be. And, and I was raised by a lot of old ladies and I know how to deal with old ladies. Okay. You got to be kind of sweet and, and nice and you kind of have to have a little edge to you, but, but not too mean. Um, and Mrs. Schmidt loves me. Um, I said, I just wanted to ask Jack and I, and I, he just must, he, I, he probably gets the crazies all the time, but my question wasn't a crazy question. My question is after all these years, you and, and, you know, most of the moonwalkers have, have passed the majority of them have passed now, but how, you know, how do you just how do you personally handle the? Uh, have you been able to? Does it like is it like water off a duck's back when the crazies attack you for the for the alleged hoax, or is it does it still get your blood boiling? And I said, you know, I don't have any connection to any astronauts. I don't come from the astronaut world, but when I see these idiots, I get angry. I get angry for these guys because yes, they were government employees, and I'm a libertarian. But uh, to put this in context, this is a uh, little bit of writing from Dwayne Day. He's a space writer. The Saturn V Mm -hmm. was the largest uh, rocket ever built by the United States, a true monster of a launch vehicle. It generated over 33 million newtons of thrust at liftoff and carried 2.5 million kilograms of fuel and oxidizer. If the Saturn V exploded, it could do so with the force of a small atom bomb, the equivalent of half a kiloton or about 126th the size of the bomb that destroyed Hiroshima. These men sat at the top of a bomb with the equivalent that was 126 the size of the Hiroshima bomb. And the, 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 the cojones it took to do what those guys did and to have these losers, you know, accuse them of being, you know, the Illuminati faking Bilderberg hoaxer, you know, what, you know, throw in, you know, whatever Capricorn one OJ Simpson. Uh, and she said, you know, uh, he said, she said, he doesn't jack the, it just doesn't bother him anymore. And I was saying, I know because Gus, we have video of Gus popping a guy in the mouth not that long ago, 10, you know, eight or 10 years ago, he punched the guy right in the face and the judge threw the case out because he had been provoked by some, from one of these losers. Um, but it did, it did come up with Mrs. Schmidt and she was of good nature about it and just sort of, and just sort of laughed. But uh, folks, it takes a lot to get me to praise a government employee and I will never, ever question the integrity or the nobility or the honesty of uh, our flyboys back then, they actually did it. And as she said to me, as I, as we were separating, she said, what we always want to ask these people is if it was fake, why did we fake it five more times? <laughs> Should, didn't we have to only fake it once? Uh, so uh, oh, I that's think a great legitimate stuff. question. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, so let's get into this. Uh, I, Burner Mike, I want to apologize ahead of time, but this is too good not to pass up. So uh, Dowd and I both asked the question, and the question is, is why is there not a statue erected to one Harrison Schmidt? Not that Harrison cares probably all that much, and not that he needs one. Um, based upon your interaction interfacing with him, uh, Dowd, uh, you probably uh, probably would agree with me that this is not a man who has put himself first. Uh, and plus, he's a scientist. I think that is also remarkable to question whether or not we uh, landed on the moon. I digress here for a moment to say that this is an actual science. Uh, follow the science. The man uh, believes in tangible results and actual science itself with a doctorate. I think the question of whether or not he was on the moon is also insult to him. Mm-hmm. And I want to say once again to Orlando Garcia and anybody else who happens to be out there, you are an idiot for questioning uh, such a thing, uh, especially uh, since Netflix and TikTok constantly feed this type of crap uh, that's out there. But D. Dowd Muska, we have 
what seems to be the cross-section of politics and a failed attempt at erecting a statue. And I'd like to go ahead and refer to our, can I say my partners, our partners, the Kiva's partners over at KRQE in the great investigative reporting of one Larry Barker. Now, I'd love to play this audibly, but I think I would probably do a better job reading and illustrating what this is uh, because Larry Barker, as always, you know, he does uh, what it takes to go ahead and get to the bottom of things and does a great, very good job at that. And, well, Harrison Schmidt, meet Tim Keller, <clears throat> 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, all done in 2018. And an attempt was uh, to recognize Harrison Schmidt in a way that a man like him should be recognized was not to be. Uh, in fact, how did it all go down? Well, you're about to hear it. Uh, this dated article from Larry Barker, uh, October 17th, 2019, uh, KRQE News 13 Investigation, krqe.com, that's krqe.com, uh, to go ahead and share this. Albuquerque, New Mexico, it was all hush-hush, a City of Albuquerque project, nine months in the making. That's quite a long time. There were behind-the-scenes negotiations, months of back-and-forth emails and high-level meetings, and once it was a done deal, they planned. A big celebration complete with speeches, beer, wine, and platters of smoked salmon. You can hear the way that uh, Larry's going after this. And I always love that touch about him. Uh, he plays it up to only let you down, which is true Larry Barker investigative uh, reporting. Surely an event this momentous, you would have heard something about it. However, in this case, there were no announcements, no press releases, and no celebration. In fact, the project busted. And the only thing Albuquerque got out of the deal was a black eye, an attraction intended to highlight New Mexico's history and accomplishment today sits in Florida. You can pinpoint the exact spot where this deal unraveled. Start at the Albuquerque airport. From the parking garage, take the escalator, pass baggage claim to the ticket counter, cross the hall, take another escalator to the departure gates concourse. To the top of the escalator on the third floor level concourse is the epicenter of an unusual government snafu. It's not something Albuquerque officials like to talk about in the Keller administration, but it involves a Fortune 500 aerospace company, an astronaut, and a statue. Let's go back to January 2018. A publicly traded aerospace company, Orbital, Orbital ATK, offered to donate to the city of Albuquerque a specially commissioned statue of former astronaut Harrison Jack Schmidt. Dr. Schmidt, native New Mexican from Silver City. In 1972, he was a crew member on Apollo 17 and is the last living astronaut to have walked on the moon. Schmidt is the only professional scientist to have visited the moon. In 1976, he was elected to the U.S. Senate from New Mexico as a Republican and served one term. Today, Jack Schmidt lives in Albuquerque, where he works as a consultant on geology, space, and public policy issues. Orbital ATK offered to donate the Schmidt statue to the Albuquerque Sunport in recognition of Dr. Schmidt's contributions to space exploration and science. Phoenix artist Tom Bollinger was commissioned by Orbital to sculpt a bigger-than-life bronze statue of astronaut Schmidt standing on the moon's surface next to an American flag. Bollinger spent months sculpting, casting the bronze statue to be mounted on a granite pedestal and valued at $130,000 because the artwork was a gift, Orbital executives pledged to pay for everything, including shipping from Phoenix, Arizona, and installation of the statue in Albuquerque. Here's where it gets juicy. 
According to the formal donations agreement, Albuquerque's only obligation was to prominently display the statue at the Sunport. That's all they had to do. In May last year, the Albuquerque Arts Board voted to accept the donation, and Mayor Keller's office signed off on the deal. Aerospace giant Northrop Grumman, also a uh, tenant at our building, uh, D-Down Muska, mm. acquired Orbital ATK, and company officials began discussions with Sunport staff about a prominent location to display said statue. They agreed to place it at the top of the escalator on the third floor concourse. Perfect. That would be awesome. In fact, they should rename the airport, the Albuquerque International Airport, or the Schmidt Airport, as far as I'm concerned, after this. October 3rd, 2018, was set for the dedication ceremony. Invitations were sent to 100 guests. Jack Schmidt would be there, along with Mayor Keller and Northrop Grumman executives. Catered hors d'oeuvres were ordered up, including chilled shrimp with avocado salsa, and the rare top sirloin wrapped with tri- tri-colored peppers. Just weeks before the big event, and I've got a copy of the invitation, invitees were informed that due to unforeseen circumstances, the dedication ceremony had been postponed. However, the statue celebration wasn't rescheduled. It was canceled. Albuquerque officials never heard from neither Northrop Grumman, nor did they hear from the city of Albuquerque. Jack Schmidt's statue completely and totally disappeared. Here's the invitation. Albuquerque International Airport, 2200 Sunport Boulevard, reception 1.30 to 2.30 p.m., second floor main hall, dedication 2.30 to 4, third floor concourse. RSVP to Emily Brushy, 703-406-5960 at ngc.com. Here it is. Please join us Wednesday, October the 3rd, 2018, right in the middle of the International Balloon Fiesta, said you. Tribute to Honorable Harrison H. Schmidt, Ph.D., Apollo 17 astronaut and lunar explorer. Northrop Grumman and the city of Albuquerque are pleased to invite you to the dedication of a statue, Harrison Jack Schmidt, to commemorate the historic achievement and accomplishments of New Mexico native and to inspire and encourage the next generation of space explorers, engineers, and scientists. Albuquerque's aviation director... Here we go, Dowd. <laughs> Nikea Naika Allen mm-hmm. told KRQE News 13, where you can find this article, krqe.com, said she does not know where the Apollo 17 astronaut statue is today. Nikea Allen, of course, is in Oakland, California. She, uh, upon the re-election of one, after being embroiled in something or other, we're not really sure what, um, decided to pick up and uh, relocate to Oakland, California. Naika Allen admitted, though, weeks before the dedication, there was a quote-unquote glitch. And Northrop Grumman executives were not happy. The dispute related to the placement of the statue at the airport. Now, I know the people. I see them every day from Northrop Grumman. Great people. Uh, In fact, they're my neighbors. They're right above us and right above our radio station. In September 10th, 2018, a quote-unquote urgent letter nearly a month ahead of this celebration, to the Aviation Director Allen, Northrop Grumman's Vice President of Corporate Communications, Baron Bineski, wrote, quote, We were very disappointed to learn the city did not plan to honor our agreement for the location for the statue. Hmm, perhaps that was because he was a Republican? Directly at the top of the escalator on the third-level concourse. But instead, the city of Albuquerque, chose the location to the side of the concourse adjacent to the entrance and the exit of the restrooms. 
The understanding was that the statue would be in a location of prominence at the airport, Nakia Allen said. According to Northrop Grumman, the agreed-upon location was at the top of the third-floor escalator. That was the agreement. They paid for it. I knew that was the requested location, Nayika said. In fact, just weeks before the scheduled installation and dedication ceremony, Allen changed her mind about the statue's placement. Huh. Cozy little relationship led to this woman taking charge and relocating it next to the bathrooms. Bathrooms that uh, one Alec Baldwin so prominently displayed upon his uh, Instagram account for being incredibly clean prior to him shooting and killing a woman uh, up in Santa Fe. But I digress. She told Northrop Grumman the size and weight of the statue near the middle of the hall on the third floor would create both traffic and structural concerns. I seem to remember a number of motorcycles, lowriders, and various other things that have nothing to do with Albuquerque located in that area. She wrote, quote, my biggest concern was passenger flow and passenger safety. Interestingly, Naika uh, uh, or Nikea, uh, I think we should also note that the uh, continued uh, uh, slow growth or lack of growth in the passenger count since 1993. Uh, so passenger flow and passenger safety has never been an issue. From my perspective, she wrote, the statue in that location would block the flow of traffic if it actually even existed. Northrop Grumman's Vice President Bineski wrote, we believe that we did clear a verbal and actions-based agreement on where the statue would be located. Your concerns about security and traffic movement had not been communicated to us as late as the September 6th meeting and walkthrough with your staff. As an alternative location, Alan proposed placing the statue against a wall adjacent to the third floor restrooms. If you know where that's at, that's totally out of the way. Northrop Grumman was not pleased and strongly urged the city to reconsider the original placement at the top of the third floor escalator. Until we have quote-unquote confirmation the city plans to honor the party's original agreement, we do not plan to move forward with the October 3rd, 2018 dedication ceremony and reception and may be forced to reevaluate the donation altogether, according to the Northrop Grumman executives. So with the other aerospace gift in jeopardy, Ellen offered alternative locations for the donated statue. She was desperate. For example, she suggested placing the statue along the wall in the TSA checkpoint area. My gosh. Ellen oh. also recommended placing $130,000 donated bronze statue in the entrance to the Sunport's Parking garage, D.W. Muska. You read that right. The parking garage. You can find this article at krqe.com. Alan claims the parking garage is a quote-unquote prominent location at the airport. Everyone that parks there does come through that area. She can, you can put Harrison Schmidt right next to the city councilors. You know what is displayed very prominently at the Albuquerque International Airport and signs that are flashing all over the place? You've got it, and you guessed it, the New Mexico United in their oh. multicolored Meow Wolf-sponsored uniforms. I think it's unfortunate that they didn't like the next best alternative immediately next to their desired location, she told News 13. Predictably, Northrop Grumman wasn't keen on the garage idea either, so Alan had another suggestion. I verbally offered the convention center as an alternative location for the statue. The other thing that you can prominently see displayed is a digital picture of your mayor, Tim Keller, as you walk in. I'm sick of looking at Tim Keller at the airport. Was it Grumman's response? Well, they did not respond. They did not hear back. They canceled altogether and removed it. Good job, Tim Keller. The message was clear. Northrop Grumman didn't consider the restrooms, the TSA checkpoint, the parking garage, 
or the convention center to be quote unquote prominent locations for its very valuable, dare doubt and I say it, invaluable gift. Mr. Grumman decided to take Apollo 17 sculpture elsewhere. Today, the bronze statue of Apollo 17 astronaut Jack Smith sits on permanent display at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. In its place on the third floor concourse at the Albuquerque Sunport, lounge chairs and lowrider motorcycles. Joseph Grumman and Jack Schmidt declined to comment. Wow. So I believe that we just did it for them. 550, I was going to bring a similar point, uh, the fact that Jack didn't comment on that story. We're talking about, I know that we're all narcissists now, you know, boomers and Xers and generation uh, millennials and generation Z, and we all take pictures of ourselves and put ourselves on Instagram all day. Jack is from a different generation. Jack is from the silent generation. That's my parents' generation. That's the generation between the World War II generation and the baby boomers. Uh, they were raised at a very different time. It doesn't surprise me at all that he didn't want to comment and make hay out of this at all. The the MC at the event today, this this woman who was nice, I had some discussions with her. She's a prominent person with the New Space New Mexico group. Uh, again and again and again, when the interns were coming up to have their picture taken, she, she said, you know, introduce yourself. But she kept calling him the legend, the legend, the legend. And if you know about older generations, I was raised by a World War II generation people. My parents are in the silent generation. It was not me, 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 me. And I almost, if I could have interrupted her, uh, I would have said, you know what? I, I very much doubt that Dr. Schmidt likes being called a legend. These are very, very humble people. You want to meet the most humble people in the world. Talk to a living Medal of Honor recipient. They don't want to talk about, you know, and they always say, you know, the heroes were left behind who didn't make it back from that mission. Um, it, it does not surprise me at all that he didn't want to uh, make himself the focus of the story. Uh, but your 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 stats on Naika Allen, who's in Oakland now, a, a lying about the passion, passenger count. I, I, I keep a pretty good record of this. I, I have some old records here because I'm not on my mainframe system right now. But in 2007, passenger count through the Sunport was 6.7 million. That's 2007. 2019, so we're talking pre-Rona. I'm not using, you know, super, super recent numbers, the, the last number available before the whole world went to hell, that 6.7 million passenger count had dropped, Naika, not grown, you're worried about passenger flow, it had dropped to 5.4 million. So if she's trying to base that decision on passenger counts, she's either clueless or lying. Don, could you also communicate to me uh, during the COVID, pre and post COVID, do you have the 2019 through 2021 TSA or uh, passenger count numbers for the Albuquerque Sunport? Are those hand uh, readily available? Yeah, I mean, it, well, a lot of us data guys are having a problem doing year to year comparisons because the last couple of years have been such bizarre numbers and historical, you know, looking at employment or anything. Um, the most recent for the fiscal year that ended, uh, the 2022 fiscal year, that number was down to 4.4 million. So it was even lower than the 5.4 million the year before the Rona. Oh, uh, wow. There you go. So there you go. Uh, we got lots and lots of comments. I'm only going to read just a few of these, but, you know, this is serious, folks. I think, uh, you know, despite the uh, great day that Dowd had, we also recognize the bad things that the city of Albuquerque and your government do to prevent being recognized. Can you imagine pushing that that is now at the Kennedy Space Center, uh, the, the actual 
uh, statue that was commissioned for $130,000 plus, plus the travel expenses, um, not located where it should be to recognize uh, the uh, our champion of uh, the air uh, here locally, and I'll refer to him as that, uh, because having walked on the moon, pretty hard to beat that. Uh, try as you might, Jeff Bezos, try as you might, uh, Elon Musk, or uh, dare I even mention anywhere in the same breath as those two, Richard Branson, or anybody else whose aspirations are going to space. I can only tell you, and uh, the, the very thing that we should be celebrating is a man such as Harrison Jack Schmidt, but we want to locate him next to a parking garage, a bathroom, and kudos to Larry Barker for doing this report and exposing yet once again. Um, I think this is like the third expose he's done on the Albuquerque International Airport. I recall one distinctly uh, where it talked about a con job done by a contractor. That's why the con is there, by the way, Dowd. Something we talk about oftentimes speaking because you get changed order to death. A particular uh, bathroom remodel taking nearly two and a half years and twice as much as the original bid and that was handed over to uh, one particular contract during the Barry administration. So uh, Barker always does a good job and he offends people on both sides of the aisle and that's exactly uh, the type of reporting that needs to be done. He'll be sorely missed whenever he does uh, choose to retire. Uh, here's some texts that are coming uh, in. <clears throat> Agreeing with doubt about the cojones Jack Schmidt had. One of the major reasons he defeated the oily, oh I love that, Joseph Montoya uh, in the 1974 is because Montoya made remarks during the Senate campaign that quote any monkey could fly to the moon. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Boy. Montoya, uh, right there with Orlando Garcia, uh, D-Dad Musk, our listener. Montoya also embarrassed the state during the Senate Watergate hearings by the stupidity of the questions that he has. I do know a little bit about that. Uh, he was not well-respected, uh, and neither was uh, Governor Apodaca, who literally brought in all the graft and I think all the corruption uh, as we had uh, embarked upon our uh, State Investment Council time, not to mention the... Uh, uh, the permanent fund that we started in 1968-69, it was a high level of corruption that was achieved during his administration. Hi, Eddie. There's no reason to complain. Instead of the statue of Dr. Schmidt, we got lowriders and choppers, bro. Nice reflection of our city. No, what a bunch of zeros we have in the city government. There you go. Stay classy, uh, another. Yeah, stay classy. There you go. And uh, following up on the Harrison Schmidt conversation, Eddie, thank you. And Dowd, we also had Clyde Tomba. Out, yes. who discovered the planet, discovered yes, the Pluto. planet Pluto yep, yep, yep. from New Mexico and lived here until he died. There's a school in Las Cruces named after him, but not much else. For a state and a city that's so incredibly focused on space, we give $250 million to Richard Branson, and we try to relocate a man who actually achieved something in space, Harrison Schmidt. We try to relocate his statue in the parking garage next to one of the restrooms. Um, um, there you go. Finally, Eddie, can you talk about what happens if Joe steps down and Kamala becomes president? China invades Taiwan, Korea tests nuke, super surge at the border, cyber attack on power and infrastructure all at the same time. We'll address that tomorrow. More of my predictions uh, later. That We're going to do the apocalypse uh, on Friday this week, folks, not Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. All right. Uh, Murder Mike, speaking of apocalypse, we'll do that when we return. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Right here in the Kiva, a little vertigo for you up there. I think uh, we're all feeling a little bit of that after hearing that report. Thanks to Larry Barker and KRQE for posting that. You can find that there. Thanks for the work that they do. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in on AM1600 KIVA, abq.fm, rockatalk.com. Back in six. Thanks for listening. 
Back in 69, uh, I like to refer to this as the relationship song. The song that keeps people together, come together at the Abbey Road Studio. They started to work on that, and it was a double side, also a A-sided single with something. Their 21st single in the UK and the 26th in the US, where it reached, again, the top of the charts. 550, 5500. We got uh, Murder Mike in studio. Murder Mike, how are you? I'm doing very well, Eddie, and good to be back here and finally see Dowd in person. It's been a while. Hi, Dowd. <laughs> New Year's New Year's Eve was the last time, Murder Mike. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember that? <laughs> if you do that. He is a new man. Both of you guys are new men, and, uh, well, Murder Mike, I think it's a, a tough year. Uh, it's It's been 81 murders uh, since the last time you guys saw each other, oh. 81 murders uh, oh. to kick off uh, that, so... We're less 81 people in the city of Albuquerque. Those are just of the people who are dead, uh, or DOA, as oftentimes uh, gets confirmed. To go 10-7 as a figure, uh, a figure we might we might as well try to seize the uh, 10:70 a.m. for 10:7 radio. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, murder Mike all the time. I could just see something like that happening. Murder Mike, uh, let's do the rundown. Let's get through it. Let's get through the last. Uh, week, week and a half. Uh, I know it's been spooky and tough for you because what's been going on near your environs, uh, which I believe is what San Mateo and near central. Uh, we never got confirmation on the deaths of those two individuals. One of those individuals happened to be an Asian uh, massage parlor. And yes, I will mention Asian because the woman was Asian. It was an Asian massage parlor worker and nobody around there spoke English. So in fact, everyone spoke Chinese. But we didn't get confirmation as we oftentimes do not uh, on the second uh, victim uh, just a few blocks away down the street. Um, and uh, as in classic APD, City of Albuquerque, Mayor Tim Keller style, we get no further information because to do any of that would probably lead on into something that was uh, either A, preventable, or B, uh, shine a bad light on things that uh, they don't really often like. So we're here to do that uh, today. Murder Mike, take it away. All right, Eddie. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to start with some late-breaking news that just happened just uh, probably within the last 15 minutes or so. There's been an officer-involved shooting near the area of the Northwest Area Command substation. It actually occurred on Cibola at Coors Northwest. Don't know if there are injuries or fatalities. That's right across from Cibola High School and uh, at a uh, bus stop, a large uh, bus stop that's right there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with the area. I just got the cross streets. But that, that's, that's even more horrific if it's uh, that close to the high school. And 
There's no further details that's coming in right now. It's still a very active scene, so we're going to wait and see what happens with that. Maybe we'll be able to get it on before the show ends, but if not, uh, uh, at a later date for sure. So, okay, we're going to move on uh, now that we covered that off of all shooting. And this week, it was plagued with violence as five more homicides were reported, more than a dozen shootings and a half dozen stabbings with at least one resulting in death. Beginning with last Friday, July 15th, there were four shootings in the Albuquerque area, all of which were life-threatening, one of which was a father and son dispute, which escalated, ending up with them, both the father and son shooting each other. They were taken to uh, Presbyterian Hospital downtown in critical condition. They were transported by POV or private vehicle. And then on Saturday evening... Was, was there uh, any news reports on that at all, uh, Murder Mike, to your knowledge? No. Did, was there any reportings uh, on that shooting whatsoever? Negative. In fact, all but uh, two of the shootings that I'm reporting on haven't been reported. So that, that'll give you kind of an idea. There was a lot more. I mean, I could go into detail, but, you know, time constraints, it would be forever to tell everything. Uh, but then on Saturday evening at, at around 11 p.m., a stabbing was reported at the Motel 6 on University Northeast. The victim, described as a 47-year-old male, 47-year-old male, suffered multiple stab wounds to the head and face. He was transported by Albuquerque Ambulance to UNM Hospital in a level one trauma alert. That means he was pretty bad off. So, And again, once they get to the hospital, HIPAA goes into effect, so we can never find out anymore. And the, and the gun violence continued on Sunday with four additional shootings reported, resulting in at least one homicide. At 8.18 p.m. Sunday night, APD and AFR responded to the intersection of Dartmouth and Cole, reference a shooting. Now, if you if you remember, uh, we were talking just a couple of weeks ago about all the shootings that had occurred on Richmond Southeast, and Dartmouth is just one block west of that same intersection. So that's kind of interesting to happen. And then upon arrival, they located a male and a female in a vehicle, both suffering from gunshot wounds to the head. The female, age 30, was transported to UNM Hospital, where she later died. The male, age 21, was conscious and breathing and also transported to UNM Hospital in serious but stable condition. Now, here's where it gets twisted. Reportedly, not so wait, So wait, yeah. you're, you're telling me a man got shot in the head and survived. Is that correct? That's I just want to be clear. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. He actually wow. survived his injuries. And the yeah, female, sure. uh, the female was a thirty. She was transported, and I listened to the ambulance traffic. She actually uh, had uh, vital signs all the way to the hospital, so she died at the hospital. I don't believe how that could have happened, but it's true. It's rare case, occasions that happens. Now, reportedly, uh, the shooting actually occurred somewhere in the South Valley, and the twenty-one-year-old male suffering from a gunshot wound to the head, mind you somehow made it to Dartmouth and Cole where he called 9-11. So BCSO is investigating. So this homicide will actually go down in the statistics page as a county homicide, not a city, even though it happened in the city. There were two. What, what, part, of the head, what part of the head did they get shot in? Uh, they didn't. Because um, that, that's the only part of the head I want to ever get shot at. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, like to know, I'd like to know what that is, what part uh, of the head they got shot and survived. Uh, and they were able to make a phone call. That's interesting. Yeah and drive himself all the way from the South Valley to that particular location uh, before Yeah, what, what part of the head could I get shot in and continue to uh, operate a vehicle and make a phone call? Could, did they, were they also texting, I would imagine, 
Oh, I would. They were probably on the way. You know, they were trying to probably uh, maybe trying to find a hospital and got lost. I don't know. I this whole story just it, it reeks of all kinds of bad stuff happening. I'm sure they probably got shot at that location in Colon Dartmouth, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to elude to it. Maybe they were they knew the offenders uh, and didn't want further retaliation, so they made up a story. Um, but it sounds a little too far fetched for me. So, well, Mike, is is yes. you were saying? I, I, I'm trying to do something else here, but I'm I'm trying to pay attention. We've got to pay attention to murder, Mike, too. <laughs> I know. No. <laughs> were you saying that the 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 murder is assigned to this jurisdiction based on where the person dies, not where the initial crime occurs? Well, no, actually, it's just the reverse. Okay, okay, I got it wrong. Okay, yeah, I yeah, make but, sure. Yeah, you got it right there. Uh, the home, the shooting. If the shooting took place in the county, then okay. it's under county jurisdiction, okay, okay. even if they die in the city. Okay, just want to clarify. So, and that's where we start getting into how we manage to always have low crime stats as they start attributing all these different crimes that occurred into the county. So despite likely being shot in Albuquerque and despite also being transported somewhere inside Albuquerque, uh, due to the fact that they were other places at some point, the city of Albuquerque decided to go ahead and field this off to BCSO and it gets reported as not shot or death in Albuquerque. Is that correct? That is correct. Statistically, this homicide will not be considered a uh, a city homicide statistic. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? It makes perfect sense when you're a Democrat mayor. If you're a Republican mayor, this would be counted as a, a death <laughs> in the city. And would be, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Perfect. Yeah. All right, what's yeah. next, Mike? Okay, uh, there were two other details. There were two other shootings in the Albuquerque area, but there was really no details on that. Both were life-threatening. One was an abdominal. The other one was in the chest. I don't have any details on that. And then quickly moving to Monday, where two more homicides were reported. The first occurred early Monday morning in the parking lot of Leal's, I think it's called Leal's Rock now, but if you remember, that used to be up on Central and San Pedro, and now it's down at 12th and Candelaria. But an unknown age male was found in the parking lot, unresponsive, suffering from one or more gunshot wounds. He was pronounced dead on the scene. It happened about two in the morning. And then the second of two homicides reported on Sunday occurred at the Courtyard Apartments at San Pedro and Montgomery. And this is one that Dad and I were talking about earlier. APD had responded to a domestic disturbance call and found a 20-year-old male suffering from one or more gunshot wounds to the back. He was transported to UNM Hospital, where he later died from his injuries. There is extensive confusion, confusing details surrounding this homicide, so information is somewhat sketchy at this point. And then there was also a suspicious death report of Sunday night where a body was found in a mesa uh, just off of 2nd Street, somewhere in the North Valley. There's no details on that as well. The next report I found, well, I'm going to skip that one for right now. I think one thing we know that's not sketchy is none of these can be counted in Mayor Keller's city of Albuquerque statistics. That is definitely not sketchy. So I think we we all understand that none of these numbers can be counted. in Even 12th and Candelaria, not counted in the city of Albuquerque. I think in order to be counted anymore, it's got to be literally in the downtown or uptown What's areas. To be song, counted. Make the world go away. Make, make the murders go away. All right. What's to... next, Murder Mike? Okay. Well, let's see here. Um, I'm going to skip this next report uh, for, for right now. We'll see. We'll talk about it maybe later. Later. Uh, and finally, yesterday, uh, Wednesday the 20th, yet another homicide was reported. In the early morning hours, BCSO had responded to reports of a loud party at the La Luz Trailhead in the Sandia Mountains. 
Upon arrival, they discovered an unknown aged male suffering from multiple stab wounds who was obviously deceased. And it appears that while at the party, a fight broke out among several of the party goers, resulting in the fatal stabbing. And there's an update that also just came in a few minutes ago. BCSO has made an arrest in that stabbing. So we have that. And that also, again, uh, that is considered open space by Albuquerque. APD covers that. But it was another homicide that goes down in the statistics column as BCSO. So there's another one. And finally, and also that um, that body they found was also BCSO jurisdiction. There's three homicides that don't go in the city that happened here. Finally, around 11 o'clock, this is kind of an uplifting story, I thought. It's not a homicide, but AFR had responded to the Crown Plaza Hotel around 11 o'clock, which was formerly the Hilton Hotel on University in reference to an elevator rescue. The elevator car, a semi had somehow hit a power pole right across the street. That's a big truck stop right there, knocking out power to the, the Crown Plaza Hotel. Well, the power was knocked out about the same time a car full, an elevator car full of people were on their way down from the top and uh, forced them to be stranded right in the middle of the, the elevator shaft, so to speak, uh, between two floors. And it took them, oh, roughly about an hour before they could get them out of there. So um, talk about having, <laughs> getting the shaft, literally. That's not a very uplifting story, uh, there, Burr Mike, if you know well, what I mean. Uh, that's the uplifting part would be like someone gave birth and, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, a teenage kid delivered it. Or yeah, I was well, looking for the up, uplifting part. Uh, there was there no go. injuries reported, so that's a good thing. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and it was due to there a power. Go, yeah. Eventually, the power was restored and the elevator car was able to continue to the ground floor. Wow. Aside from a few agitated people, there were no injuries reported. And then today, right. well, today has been a crazy day. I mean, um, we, you know, uh, I told you about the officer-involved shooting that we just had. And today, uh, traffic news takes the lead with two fatal accidents to report. The first occurred right here by the station, just literally like around 11 o'clock this morning, right at the corner of Yale and Gibson, where there was a multiple. It wasn't a, it wasn't a man on a scooter, I hope. I don't know. They didn't indicate okay. other than there was two That's fatalities good. in that crash. The intersection was closed down for several hours, so people going to the airport had to use an alternate route. Hopefully, they knew about Gerard as an alternate route. If not, they were just kind of out of luck. So the intersection was shut down for a time. The other accident occurred uh, sometime afternoon on eastbound I-40 at the Rio Grande River. Reportedly, a pedestrian was hit by a car while walking on the roadway. The victim of the accident was transported to UN Hospital, where he later died from his injuries. And then as of 3 o'clock today, eastbound I-40 was still shut down at the river. So that's kind of a look at things going on. I had another report here, but I'm reluctant on in talking about it because it, it is very disturbing and extremely graphic. And... Uh, it involves child abuse. Yeah, so. Eddie, I, 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 well, maybe, I, I, I held him. I held him back on that because I, I actually was talking at the event earlier today with someone who enjoys the Espanol police blotter, and I was saying how I just I don't know a couple months ago started taking the kid ones out because man, it's just like a punch to the gut. Uh, this one's bad. Um, but yeah, you're, it's your station, been, uh, Eddie. So Espanola. if you want Murder Mike to fire away, he'll fire away. Oh, he's you know he's gonna fire away. That's what we do here, and everybody wants to hear about it. So I mean, with a setup like. A tantalizing uh, setup, regardless of what it is, uh, we will talk about it. Um, did you get my report earlier about the the follow up uh, doubt of not one but two deaths? 
I, I can't, I got two or three graphs in, I can't imagine that this woman could be responsible for two infant deaths up in, up in Espanol. I can't imagine. We are going to talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, maybe we, maybe we have to, you know, maybe we have to. Yeah. I, I had details on that well, as well, but not yeah, here. Someone's but... got to, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Fire away. Murder Mike. Okay. Well, this next report I did find extremely disturbing. And I was somewhat hesitant to report it as it did involve a child abuse. But shortly after 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon, while doing a routine home visit, a CYFD caseworker found an empty apartment littered with trash, debris, uh, stale food, and here's the worst part, a six-month-old female baby girl alone suffering from obvious physical abuse, including multiple cigarette burns throughout her body. Uh, she was transported to UNM Hospital in serious but stable condition. They were unable to locate the parents or a responsible party in this case, and it is being investigated by various agencies. I'm not going to go any further on that. That's, that's enough to be said about that. I mean, you know. Well, is, there, is there more details? Not really. Uh, no, I got okay. it. I got All this right. from well, the ambulance. You, you know, I mean, there was. Well, the other thing I think that's important on this is that uh, even though they're not able to locate the parents, the parents are very definitely able to locate the state of New Mexico when it comes time to the beginning of the month to get their benefits, uh, so that they can go ahead and take care of whatever addictions and various other dependencies that they have. Uh, no doubt that these are people that are on the radar for the state of New Mexico. Uh, to make sure that they collect their uh, monthly income uh, dependent checks as far as uh, I could speculate. I would probably say I'm probably pretty close to the truth on that doubt. Yeah, yeah and, uh, uh, folks, if you're listening, uh, if you're the perpetrators of this crime, if you want to go ahead uh, and go up north, uh, up to north country, New Mexico, there's a nice big hole in the ground with a bridge across it called the Talos Gorge Bridge. Uh, and if you want to just go with the midpoint of that bridge, uh, you might have seen the movie Natural Born Killers. Uh, you might want to just go to right the midpoint of that bridge and um, take a long leap, long walk up a short pier. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually hey, I'm, a uh, dumping I'm, ground. I'm all, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Uh, these are people who, uh, who don't deserve to be alive, uh, much less be parents. Uh, so it's just absolutely disgusting. The things that the state of New Mexico continues to entertain, things that wouldn't be tolerated anywhere else or tolerated here. And, um, certainly enabled. Let's get a couple of texts before we hit the top of the hour news. Um, let's see, uh, Dr. Burks admits that she and, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay, that admits that she and Fauci made up the science on lockdowns and social distancing. That from social, that from Zero Hedge, sure to be in your walk of talk chat tomorrow. Make sure that you subscribe for less than 20 cents a day. You'll get that story to kick things off. Oh, I haven't Fauci been arrested for his crimes against humanity. Grab this SOB and waterboard his but until he confesses, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's already uh, stated that he's going to retire. The question is when he stated when Biden's no longer in office. I've already made the commitment that that will not be before the end of the year is up. That was my prediction. Eddie, not only uh, where in the head, but with what caliber? Well, I once had a patient who was shot center of his forehead with a 22 pistol by his girlfriend. He was conscious and alert, yelling, I can't believe that B shot me in the head. Wow. That's really something. Um, Hey, Murder Mike, where did that semi-driver come forth? Uh, somebody wanted to know what that is, so I'm um, not sure if I'm... I'm not um, trying to... That was just part of the dispatch. 
Okay. There you go. Thanks, Murder Mike. Thanks for all your work. We'll see you again next Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in right here in the Kiva, as always. And, again, don't forget to subscribe directly to rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. There it is. We all just got to figure out a way to stay together. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, See you for Hour 3. You and me, the Dow Bakes 33000 on AM600KIVQ.FM.
Terry Caldwell, who had the 1994 UK number one single, Stay Another Day. Not sure if anybody, people know too much about him, but he was uh, one of, part of UK's uh, most popular boy band of all time uh, as well. E17, yes, they do have boy bands. Uh, in addition to Heat, uh, that is out there uh, in England, it is over here. Everyone's talking about the Heat. If you don't think that weather is engineered to go ahead and uh, cook you like a slow-boiling frog, uh, well, think again. Uh, D-Down Moscow, what stories you got for hour three here on this Thursday afternoon? Well, I got a couple of uh, interesting items that have been uh, bumped a little bit. Uh, what, what do our union friends have in government? The bumping rights? Uh, uh, Murder Mike always gets bumping rights uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to me. He had a piece of paper he gave me as he was heading out the door. Uh, this is a, a stunning statistic. Well, I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the one-item Española police blotter for the day. Uh, and I actually sent to Mr. Aragon earlier this week a, a very rich vein of Espanola police items that maybe we'll have time for tomorrow. Uh, Michael found that in Espanola, this has happened in late June, uh, a woman accidentally dinged the car next to her uh, while she was, I guess, coming out of the grocery store, loading up the car, uh, as we all potentially do from time to time, and uh, hope we don't get uh, a crazy person uh, next to us. Well, in this case, the uh, there was a crazy person next to her. I guess some guy emerged from the back seat. They began uh, a belligerent conversation. He opened fire on her. Uh, I guess put a bullet through uh, her hand and then put uh, at least one in her shoulder. Uh, he has been rightfully and understandably charged with aggravated battery. Uh, these little incidents that suddenly become, you know, you, you've got to take your temper issues, your mental health problems, and make it a problem for all of us. That's that's great. We love that. And the other item, and I have a very easy time believing this because when I was in Valencia County down in Las Lunas last week, uh, uh, one of the few, few people who got up and testify, testified in favor of natural resource development, uh, it was a minority of people, said she had moved down to Valencia County because uh, she was a homeschooling mom, a conservative woman, her brother worked in oil and gas, uh, had a lot of boos and hissing in the crowd, uh, and she actually turned around at one point and said, you people are rude. Um, this was a gutsy gal. She said the one, the example she used, uh, one of the reasons why they got the hell out of Albuquerque is they were sick of running into needles, her little children. I guess she had two or three little little cherubs, little ones, and uh, they kept uh, coming across needles, and she got tired of uh, having her children at risk and picking up needles, potentially. Uh, Murder Mike says, the official count on City of Albuquerque employees, how many needles have been picked up so far this year? I, I would assume that's the calendar year. 6,000 needles have been picked up in the Duke City in 2022. Um, oh, that's a nice round number. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a little bit too round for my liking. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much, you can just get out of your car anywhere. Is that the six, is those 6,000 meals, just the 6,000 they picked up in front of the uh, taco trucks downtown? Or mm -hmm. is that is that overall? Um, so there we go. Uh, what else, Dad? We have set up uh, for us this hour. Yeah, uh, just a couple of uh, they're, they're crime related, but they're but they're beyond crime. Uh, interesting actual journalism from from KOB when they were uh, they I guess they actually decided to do some journalism and get a step back a little from uh, interviewing the personal pronoun HR woman. Uh, I think that was KOB last night, but they did a story on mm -hmm. uh, more of a petty crime, not not murder in the street. And I guess the tattoo parlors 
are being targeted. Uh, but also uh, Alan uh, Weber. We haven't said that name in in a while. Um, he is the. Mayor. Are, are they really? Are they really being targeted, Dowd? I mean, let, let's let's figure out the tenant mix in the state of New Mexico is cannabis breweries, <laughs> tattoo parlors, and Asian massage parlors. I mean, at this point, are there any other businesses uh, that plaintiff's actually? Plaintiffs attorneys. Just, uh, yeah, plaintiffs attorneys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but but the one I that it was in the blast today, folks. Hey. I'm going to mention it. Uh, if you want the blast every morning, a very important email that gets you started on your day, uh, rockoftalk.chat, less than 20 cents a day, uh, you will have uh, the, the how I spend my evenings uh, tracking down all sorts of information. In the blast today was a piece from the Santa Fe Reporter about Alan Weber, mayor, I mean, uh, ineffective sort of soy boy cuck mayor of Santa Fe, the oldest state capital in the United States, I believe the highest in terms of uh, elevation uh, capital in the United States as well. Uh, Alan Weber, he he just said, uh, I guess back uh, back when we had the most recent round of shootings, you know, Buffalo and uh, and uh, Uvalde, uh, he he's gonna he's gonna take action on gun crime. He's gonna really crack down. He's gonna see to it that something gets done. Uh, and apparently, not much has happened from Alan Weber and uh, the little girl who wrote this article, Annabella Farmer. Uh, Santa Fe mayor propose uh, promised strict gun laws after mass shootings, but nothing to show for it yet. Um, well, Annabelle, I don't know if you wrote that subhead or, um, or, or, uh, or your editor wrote it, but uh, municipalities in New Mexico, and I believe new mis- municipalities uh, anywhere else in the United States, don't pass laws. They pass ordinances. You know, remember in J school, they taught you God is in the details. Uh, it references laws a number of times in this article, but uh, it's just uh, the alternative lefty <laughs> up, in, up, in, up in Santa Fe. Uh, they, they're, they're learning a little bit about civics. Uh, some jackass mayor oh, in Santa Fe can't change gun policy. In, in all of New Mexico, hardly, hardly surprising, hardly, hardly surprising on that. And then, Eddie, if we do have time late in the hour, I want to get to this hysterical, really funny uh, snowflake story about a reporter who was triggered when she saw some protesters. And she, apparently she had some PTSD based on January 6th. So uh, those are the items on my list. All right. We'll get to those uh, momentarily. And, uh, of course, we addressed uh, Joe Biden's health in all this. I actually have the uh, complete and total download um, uh, from the White House, whitehouse.gov. Uh, Jen Psaki, 19th of November, 2021, his current health summary. It's, it's quite extensive. Uh, they went into in-depth, uh, comprehensive uh, conclusion, conclusive reporting to give you the utmost confidence in your uh, 46th president, ladies and gentlemen. President Biden remains a healthy, vigorous 78-year-old male who is fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency to include those of chief executive, head of state, and commander-in-chief, comprised, of course, of the comprehensive metabolic panel, uh, which uh, evaluated everything. It included his electrolytes, creatine, blood urea, gross nitrogen, levels, protein, the glomolecular filtration rate, and the liver enzymes. Urine analysis was normal. No glucose, protein, or blood. Your president is healthy. Complete blood count, CBC, was normal, and the vitamin D level also very normal. And uh, also included his physical exam, his respiratory rate, uh, resting at a 72 heart rate, uh, 72 pulse rate, blood pressure, 120 over 70 you know, basically a Ken doll of a president. His temperature, 98.6. His pulse oximetry, 98%. And BMI, 
a very unhealthy 25%, even for a 78-year-old. That is uh, not a good BMI. Most of you listening out there are above that, so um, don't make any comments. Uh, dental surveillance also included a full dental consult reviewed and appreciated by uh, Joe Biden, it is noted. A routine dental exam also included x-rays and it revealed no dental issues requiring any interventions on the behalf of the DDS uh, that serve at the pleasure of the White House. The optometry, can he see you? Will he be able to address people? A lot of people questioning that because he hardly, if ever, calls upon people in the White House uh, when he gets said. His optometry consult is reviewed and appreciated by the president. It underwent routine psychoplegic dilated eye examinations. His overall eye health reassuring. Uh, there are no signs of glaucoma, thankfully. Uh, retinopathy, macular degeneration, wow, or significant cataracts. Uh, I think every other person is su suffering from macular degeneration at his age. Skin cancer, zero. Uh, his uh, all biopsies required, and he passed all of them. Colon cancer certainly looks good. Mild sensory per uh, peripheral neuropathy of feet. Uh, any new findings? Nothing there. Um, he looks pretty good as far as that. Uh, his stiffened gait was the only thing of note in the midst of all this. Uh, neither allergies uh, were standing in his way. His gastroenterological reflux is stable. His hyperpolydemia stable. His cardiology consultation reviewed and appreciated uh, by the president with his lipid levels remaining remarkably low, uh, doubt. His cholesterol, 100 milligrams. Triglycerides, 108 milligrams. High-density lipoproteins, HDLs, I believe those are the good ones, 39, with the LDLs at 46, and the C-reactive proteins, homocysteine levels, normal. And finally, his atrial fibrillation, AFib, as they call it, he did a full one with the EKG, confirms that the rhythm, <clears throat> despite being white and not having any, apologize for the joke out there, with a rate of 64, no acute ST or T wave changes. His echocardiogram demonstrates ventricular contractility functions with no signs of any heart failure. His left ventricle ejection fraction was 55 to 60%, which is above normal for men his age. And he has never required any medication or electrical treatments to address either his rate or his rhythm. Seemingly noted out of all of this is his mental incapacity, <laughs> both in front of people and at home and inability to uh, walk. Uh, probably couldn't pass a, a DWI driver's test uh, as it's oftentimes administered to local politicians, the latest of which was a former congressional CD1 uh uh, and a six-time House of uh, Santa Fe House representative. Uh, uh, we will not mention her name, uh, but uh, these are things that likely Joe Biden would not be able to go ahead and pass. I've already made my prediction. I'll say it again. Um, Joe Biden will not serve out his term. He will not serve out the remainder of the year. Dowd has noted it. He's given it to me until December 31st. We've had other people make uh, various other uh, punting prognostications uh, from September 1st to just out through the midterm. So we'll continue to follow this, but based upon his uh, volunteering that he has cancer yesterday and then today, uh, now he has COVID-19 and uh, despite being vaxxed once and uh, double boosted uh, in all of this, uh, he is uh, on his way to a speedy recovery. We'll see how speedy that is. Dad, we'll let you take it from here. You take the you take the wheel, so to speak. Yeah, uh, this is a, 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 it's related to crime, but it's also related to um, the Constitution, something we like to, some, some of us, I guess, still treasure the Second Amendment. We actually think that uh, it's, 
a good idea. You know, law-abiding citizens should be able to carry guns. Uh, not something that our, our Santa Fe uh, mayor, and as I said, we haven't talked about him in a long time. He He's, because things are so bad in Albuquerque and Keller is such a colossal soy boy with his scarf, uh, he tends to outshine uh, Alan Weber. Uh, believe me, Alan Weber is I, nearly, maybe not 100%, but nearly as woke and inept uh, as, Ken, as Tim Keller. And the Santa Fe Reporter, which, of course, this is one of the weekly alternative uh, papers, and they, they never really offer any alternatives to the left, so I don't know why they call themselves an alternative newspaper, but they do in every city. Uh, guns are a problem in Santa Fe. So said Mayor Alan Weber in a weekly newsletter outlining gun safety measures. Isn't it fascinating how uh, gun controls become gun safety? Watch, watch the language. Watch the perversion of the language. Uh, gun safety measures he intends to propose in the wake of mass shootings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the quote. This is sickening, saddening, depressing, angering, motivating, Weber wrote. We need to talk about it, and we need to do something about it now. Uh, I, last time I checked, there were, what, thousands of federal and state gun laws on the books? already almost all of these events that we talk about people have violated multiple gun laws anyway uh back to the article that was on may 29th now in mid-july there's been little action they call themselves journalists and this just reads more like a press release anyway just just stop calling yourself a journalist i don't call myself a journalist in the newsletter weber uh the city paid newsletter uh, said he proposed a prohibition on firearms in city buildings and public spaces what a great free fire zone for someone to commit a mass murder. I mean, you want to put that, make that sign as prominent as you can, I think, folks. Uh, noting that despite a state constitutional provision precluding local governments from passing gun laws stricter than the states, I know a lot of uh, states have, po- uh, have uh, passed those kinds of laws, the city of Fantasie can pass an ordinance to keep guns out of city-owned or controlled spaces. So that's kind of a loophole in the law. And, and I think, you know, a lot of you would agree that that just is letting kooks know that this is a, a, a rich, a rich uh, environment, a target rich environment to hurt a lot of people. Uh, he compared that idea to a similar ordinance passed in Albuquerque in 2020 and called for state lawmakers to do away with the constitutional prohibition, which he called NRA promoted the, the, the boogeyman, the eternal boogeyman of the gun grabber lobby, the national rifle association. Since then, mayor Weber, Alan Weber uh, has put in a legislative request with the city attorney's office. Ooh, impressive. Proposing banning guns in city buildings and grounds where public school related activities take place. A narrower scope than his promise to prohibit guns in city buildings and public spaces. They're, they're dinging him for not being enough of a gun grabber. Uh, he says the city is contacting- well, well, Dowd, I'd like to ask is, are all of the depressed, economically depressed neighborhoods and those with uh, high dropout rates and broken families and children, do they all get this memo as part of this to let them know where guns are going to be allowed and where they're not going to be allowed? And uh, I imagine they'll, they will abide by all of these, you know, strong urgings by the mayor. Well, and also, they even I, know who he is. I mean, I, I would think maybe he'd want to put out an executive order that uh, law enforcement under his control, when a psycho is shooting children, uh, you go try to stop that psycho. Oh, sick burn. I'm sorry. I'm that was out of line. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Uvalde cops. I'm not going to. Still don't know all the truth, but what we do know is pretty disturbing. All right, so he's contacting department heads to determine which public spaces would qualify. Uh, and the city attorney is evaluating a recent Supreme Court decision that, I mean, we can't have this. It ruled that Americans have a right to carry firearms in public for self-defense uh, to determine whether uh, the next step that he wants to take is uh, legal or illegal. Uh, Weber says his idea builds on a state statute. Protect, I love this, protecting school premises, sure. Uh, but that it doesn't differ from what he envisioned when writing his thunderous 
uh, May uh, newsletter, quote, it just takes a significant amount of work to make sure you get it right. Uh, a close quote, he told the paper. I mean, you got to, I mean, listen, you're going to take away people's rights, you know, the Bill of Rights, you're going to take away people's civil liberties. You got you to get it right. We're making sure that we don't run afoul of either the interpretation of the state law or what the Supreme Court has now come down with. And, you know, I think Weber must be talking to a lonely girl because uh, Melanie Stansberry, as we told you yesterday, uh, she considers our Supreme Court, our U.S. Supreme Court, the highest court in the land to be a renegade court. She actually used the word uh, renegade. Mayor does not know when he will bring the proposal uh, for, uh, forward, but what specific problem does the Weber administration hope to fix? fix? Uh, asked another way, what is the nature of gun violence in Santa Fe? Uh, records show 501 firearm-involved cases since January 2021. That's a weird number, but 18 months. That number could include lost or found firearms. Okay, so let's, yeah, let's flesh this out a little. Guns reported stolen and other nonviolent incidents. Boy, they really know how to uh, conflate things, don't they? It doesn't include shots fired calls where responding officers find no evidence of a firearm and don't file a report. You mean to tell me they don't have shot spotter in, in Fantasy, New Mexico? I'm, I'm, I'm horrified. Uh, the Santa Fe Police Department Captain uh, Aaron Ortiz says he's seen a definite uptick in firearm-involved crime in his time on patrol since 2007. So what, we're talking uh, 15 years, but couldn't say when it started. I think another interesting question, if you were an actual journalist, uh, you could have asked the captain, uh, if you've seen this uptick in 15 years, uh, do you think that more gun control measures would do anything about this uptick? Um, I'm sure, you know, he probably would clam up at that point. Uh, a primary concern uh, is, of course, youth with guns. Uh, the deputy police chief up there says that it has spiked over the past three or four years. He pointed to the fatal July 7th shooting of Andres Griego Alvarado, 18. That was in the parking lot uh, of a smoke shop. Uh, can you eat? I don't think you can legally buy cigarettes anymore when you're 18. On Airport Road, police have arrested Efren Cifuentes Gallegos, also 18, and charged him. He sounds like a he sounds like a great American. Uh, somebody felt, that yeah, would abide felt, by the law. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was just Efren, the latest uh, uh, of a string of, of shootings, apparently up in uh, Fantasy. Uh, and of course, I'm uh, let me skip ahead here. They do have a quote from someone from New Mexicans to prevent gun violence. I don't see anything from Dr. John Lott, the leading national expert. Uh, I don't see anything from any gun con anti-gun control, you know, gun freedom, Second Amendment act advocates. Yep, I'm scanning the whole article, Eddie, and I don't see any quotes. So let's check in with the gun grabbers. This, these are the local gun grabbers. Now, I don't know if... Uh, are these moms who demand action? No, this is New Mexicans to prevent gun violence. So I don't think they're oh, okay. fully affiliated with Bloomberg, but I know that moms demand action. And then it was every town for gun safety. Uh, they're, they're big Bloomberg people. Uh, Miranda Viscoli... Um, it would be interesting to find out about her her demographics. Uh, re she recounts talking to kids who have shot and killed others and wish they hadn't pulled the trigger. They're heartbroken about it. Well, yeah, they're in jail. Uh, she recalls asking one group in juvenile detention <laughs> how quickly they could get a semi-automatic handgun. I was being facetious, of course, she says, but the kids responded seriously, saying it would take 20 to 30 minutes via Snapchat or Instagram when they aren't oh. locked up. This woman who thinks that passing laws will crack down on gun crime has talked to kids who find it very, very easy and convenient to access illegal firearms. Apparently, this woman has learned nothing from her quote unquote work uh, in the field. Uh, according to uh, Valdez, the underlying reasons for the upswing in youth gun violence are uh, glamorization of firearms in film. That's oh, that's right. 
maybe they want to pose with it, uh, more selfies with uh, AKs and, you know, uh, Uzis and, uh, of course, ARs. My friends and I were into hardcore NWA rap. Uh, singing about Uzi and gunning down your 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 yeah. your, your your unfaithful girlfriend. Uh, we watched yeah. Predator and Commando and Rambo. Um, yes. we, I, I watched on you know we didn't have cable at the Muscahome because cable cable of course is the tool of the devil. So uh, I watched pretty much PBS and back then PBS had a lot more World War II documentaries than they do now. Uh, tremendous amount of violence. I remember just seeing you know bodies of American soldiers you know washed up in the Pacific. Uh, you know, all kinds of violence and, and awfulness. You know, the, the, the Okinawan women holding their kids. Look what it led up. to. It led to a violent radio host. Uh, yeah, Very I mean, you know, I've got a long rap sheet. Long, long, long yeah, rap yeah, sheet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so glamorization of firearms in film, television, and video games. Lack of gun safety education. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I can't even. And, okay, here's where the cop gets it right. The number three. Lack of parental Oversight. No, no comment apparently from New Mexicans for gun mm. violence when it comes to that. Well, you got to know what you got to know what a parent is for parents to actually comment out. Just that's FYI, true. there. Yeah, that, that, that's a good. Uh, point. You got to know what a, a parental is, again. and and okay. and then the he she world. Uh, doubt we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, share the contents of the great KOB Channel Four and their Colton show. Shown uh, what they're featuring. We'll do that all during our comedy hour tomorrow between the Espa Blotter and uh, Colton Show uh, featuring uh, the he, she, and how personal pronouns are going to impact things. I mean, nobody knows what a father is. A father can be anything nowadays. Uh, are we going to actually play the whole know, interview with the, with the pronoun how, lady? How, <clears throat> doubt, how could we not? How could we not? <laughs> <laughs> How could we not play that? I don't know. What, what would stop me from playing play at this point? I mean, you know, if people have no shame, uh, we need to figure out where their shame level might be. If it's nowhere, then there's nothing better than to give people the attention that they are so clamoring for. And certainly Colton Schoen is uh, certainly one guy who wanted to stand right in front of that ridiculous report. I'm sure that he'll be setting that off when he decides to elevate himself to other markets as they often do. New Mexico is always a stepping stone for, you know, the Jorge's, the uh, various other, well, you know, doesn't matter what you are, sportscaster, uh, news guy, you know, you're, you're constantly looking for the next thing. I don't think that'll be included in his portfolio, but maybe it will. I don't know. Uh, just wrapping up the article, Eddie, uh, the, uh, don't, we, we know in America in 2022 that if you have a problem in your life, if you have a problem in your neighborhood, there's some sort of economic problem, it, it can only be one of two things that is causing any kind of strife in your life. Number one, Vladimir Putin. Uh, yep. we, know, we know the Putin price hike. And the other thing is the pandemic. Uh, anything yep. unpleasant in your life, in your life, your, your, your spouse is cheating on you. Your kids are back, back sassing you. You didn't get the promotion COVID. at work. It's, the, it's the pandemic. Uh, according to authorities uh, uh, interviewed by the Santa Fe reporter, uh, the, the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic, also contributes to gun violence. Now, I, this is news to me. Uh, wow. 2020 okay. and 2021 saw record gun sales with 40% of nationwide sales to first-time buyers, according to the National wow. Shooting Sports Foundation. Actually, I, I think they're still based in Connecticut. I can't believe it because there was a time when Connecticut was the leading gun manufacturer, you know, Samuel Colt and think, all that. I think largely that's due to the fact that once you put on one part of the Halloween outfit, the mask, yes. uh, then you certainly want to go ahead and attach yourself to other accoutrement of the uh, burglary and uh, crime element out there. Go, so go all in. Yeah, uh, yeah no, you go I all mean, in. You get you got the mask, you, you grab the gun. So they're basically they're saying, and, and I, frankly, when I see 40% of nationwide sales 
Now, this is the the trade. This isn't the NRA. This is the Trade Association for the Gun Manufacturers. They're called the oh, National Sports Foundation. Um, according to their stats, forty percent of nationwide sales were to first-time buyers. Given that you have to pass a background check in all but you know extreme you know out in the parking lot case, which I don't think would be documented anyway. Um, 40% are first-time buyers. To me, that's a hopeful sign in America. Uh, I'd like responsible people to be more armed. Uh, an armed society, in broadly speaking, is a polite society. I guess if you're a liberal writing for the Santa Fe Reporter, you see this upturn uh, in sales as some sort of horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Uh, e- quote, even nationwide, there has been an uptick in people resorting to violence because of frustration with everything going on, according to uh, an official with the Santa Fe Police department frustration with everything going on. Now the good news is, uh, and this <laughs> you is know, really, every, you know everything that's going on, Dad. Everything well, with all the goings on, with all the goings on, with all the goings on. Yes, well, I mean, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the New Mexicans for gun safety. Uh, they're only about yeah. safety. They're not about anything else. They're just oh, New Mexicans to prevent gun violence. I'm sorry. Uh, they have a. I mean, as as City Councilor Brooke Bassan, who's a mom, would know all about. Um, hey, uh, Brooke is a mom. Brooke Bassan is a mom. She That's has, she I has, so. uh, yes, uh, living children have, have emerged from her body. Um, the, it, free gun locks, I mean, that is the big solution to this. Uh, free gun locks, uh, Ms. Visconti's nonprofit and, uh, and nonpartisan. I'm sure that most of the people who work for, uh, for uh, New Mexicans to prevent gun violence, I'm sure they're half Democrat, half Republican. I'm, I have no doubt mm. it's absolutely true. Uh, their mission is to reduce firearm injury and death. So uh, Weber ends this, they wrap things up with Weber saying that the fundamental stumbling block to getting what they want, to grabbing your guns in New Mexico and, you know, any other state really, is the damn state constitution. That damn constitution! What? Can we... It's in the way. We gotta get rid of it. We gotta tear it up. We gotta rewrite it. Unbelievable. So here's the quote from the the mayor of one of our 50 state capitals. Uh, Alan Weber, uh, a, a uh, what, what can I say about Alan Weber that hasn't been said about Afghanistan? Um, quote, the fundamental question in New Mexico is whether we're going to keep that constitutional provision that preempts local government from taking any action that is more stringent than the state until that gets changed. Until that gets changed, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, until that gets changed, we're not really able to take direct and significant action. I think that's always the best way to phrase anything. <laughs> you know, make the comparison between two things that can be more similar. It's um, completely ridiculous. <laughs> what, what can I say about Alan Weber that hasn't been said about uh, Afghanistan? Uh, folks, uh, just put that in your treasure trove of arsenal when you're arguing with somebody and uh, see if that doesn't shut them up. Ridicule is something that could never be argued with which is why we oftentimes read it directly and lift it from the paper in a tone and a manner that reflects with the utmost reality. And you'll receive it tomorrow during your third o'clock hour, the ESPA police water <laughs> brought to you by the one and only Rock of Talk. Uh, incidentally, Murder Mike did chime in uh, during your uh, rant and rave on Alan Weber. Uh, hi, Eddie, listening. Sorry about chatter during the break. No problem, Murder Mike. Albuquerque has 50 to 60 gunshots fired the last five days. That's a conservative number. So all this gun control that's happened in the city of Albuquerque, how's that working out for you? Yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, Dow's, uh, line them up and knock it down. What's next? Uh, this is uh, this is funny. If, if, if we're in a, in a humorous third hour, uh, it, I, sure. I never tire of, you know, snowflakes come in so many forms. Uh, so, so, 
so, so many forms. Folks, um, let's, let's just stop. Let's just bring the whole program right to a stop right here, okay? If you have a young man in your house, you're raising a young man, and not, not single digit, but maybe like 10 and up, okay? And I, I'm going to write an essay about this, and maybe my syndicator will actually send it out. Um, rent the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it is a film by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, it is, for Tarantino, surprisingly light on violence, of course, I know a lot of the people in one certain ethnic community aren't happy that he has the N-word appears in a lot of his movies. It's his most recent movie. Light on violence. I don't think the N-word appears once. Light on gore. Uh, no nudity. About midway through the film, there's a scene in which the uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, he's kind of a tough guy. You know, he was in the World War II. And, um, what, a, what a name. He's a stuntman. Uh, there are, there's sort of a, there's a hint that he killed his wife a few years earlier, but you know, we will, that's not relevant to, to what we're talking about right now. So he picks up one of Charlie Manson's hippie chicks, uh, played by the very beautiful Margaret Qualley, the daughter of uh, Andy McDowell in, in, in real life. And there's about a 10 or 12 minute segment where his character does at every juncture, he has to make a decision whether to be a man or not a man. And he makes the right decision at every point in the, this juncture. Okay. Um, yeah, about, like I said, about, about midpoint through the movie. So he picks up the hippie chick. He's a you know guy in his 40s or maybe even early 50s. Um, seen it all, done it all. He's just giving this little girl, little girl a ride back to wherever she needs to go. Um, it's the 60s, everybody. My father hitchhiked up the, back up to Boston College, you know, up the, up the Boston Post Road, you know, uh, back in the day. A lot of people hitchhiked. So she propositions him sexually, uh, and he's very clear she's probably not, you know, uh, uh, of age. He declines that. She gets more aggressive, puts her head in his lap. Uh, perfect gentleman the whole time. Sweetheart, nothing's going to happen. He drives her kind of out of his way back to her little compound. Of course, that's Spawn Ranch where Charlie and his harem were. Uh, and it turns out a couple of years ago, uh, Cliff Booth, the stuntman, had been out at Spawn Ranch where they'd filmed some TV episodes out there. So he does a nice thing for this girl hitchhiking so that she stays safe to get back to wherever she's going for declines the proposition, the uh, untoward uh, uh, proposition, knowing that that's nothing but trouble. He makes the right decision there. He gets to Spawn Ranch. Uh, he gets a bad vibe. There's something clearly weird going on here. Charlie's not there, but all of the harem is there. And uh, he thinks, he looks up, he looks sort of down the dusty road, and he sees this house where old man Spawn is, um, played by Bruce Dern. And, and uh, Bruce Dern is not a young man anymore. And he kind of gets the message that he's not supposed to go into that house, but he's concerned about this old man. He looks around, are they exploiting him? Have they killed him and just taken over this place? Again, he has a decision to make. Should I be a man? And I think it's the Camus quote about to be a man is to be responsible for yourself and for others. Uh, should I just sort of blow out of here and just leave the scene? But you know, there's an old weak old man who might be exploited and might be dead. So he goes up, they don't, they tell him not to go in, but he goes up to the door and one of the hippie chicks is there at the front, and she's got a little latch screen door. Probably young people don't even remember what the old little hook on the screen door was. Um, and she gives him all kinds of lines of jazz about how uh, old man Spawn is taking a nap and he's feeling fine. And I, I, I let him sleep during the day because he wants to be up to watch, you know, some program at night. And he likes to see his, his stories at night. And Cliff Booth says one of the best lines in all of American film. And he says, well, Red, I'm coming in there, you see. And this, and he just taps on the screen door, isn't going to stop me. <laughs> and so he goes into the goes into the room. It's still a very creepy vibe. This is Charlie. You know, the 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 murders are about to happen. 
there's rat traps around with dead, you know, rat bodies in it. It's not, it's not very kept very well. And they say, oh, he's down, you know, he's down, down the hallway, this dark, dingy hallway. So he's walking down there and he knows this is a potential nasty, nasty scene. So he keeps going. He goes down and goes into the door that he's told to go into. And old man Spawn is not dead. He is alive, but kind of, kind of like our president, you know, non compass mentis, as they say. Uh, he's not happy to be woken up. He's, he says uh, swear words to Cliff Booth. I don't remember you. Uh, kind of berates the guy for, for bothering him. But what did Cliff Booth do? Do he said, "I there's a there, there's an old man who might be exploited or might be killed, and I'm going to find out what the hell is going on here." And he doesn't get mad at the old man. He doesn't do what I probably would do: is I'm only trying to help you, you dumb sob. Uh, he kind of laughs it off because he's a man in full. He's a guy in his 40s and 50s. He's confident in his own skin, and so he checks in, and old man Spawn is okay. So he leaves after basically telling the little hippie chick, "I'm coming in, whether you try to whether you try to do anything or not." Okay, old man Spawn's okay. He goes back to the car that he'd been driving. Now, the car he had been driving was his client's car, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who's really good in this film, too. Uh, and so it's not, it's not Cliff Booth's car. There's a uh, switchblade switch, switch stuck in the front tire. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's been deflated. And uh, sitting on the fence is this skinny, stringy, blonde hair hippie man uh, giggling and just laughing, you know, probably on acid. And uh, he looks, Cliff Booth looks over and says, did, did you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. And he says, uh, okay. And he goes around and he gets the spare out of the back. Uh, and he says, well, you know, the problem here is this isn't my car. This is my employer's car. And I am, you know, I'm responsible for this car. I don't own it. I can't just uh, have these kind of things happen. So here's what's going to happen. Um, you're going to change this tire. And he, he puts it on the ground and then he walks up to the hippie and then gives him, you know, the, the, the five finger salute right in the teeth. Uh, and then I think hits him again, then holds him up by the hair and turns over to all the hippie chicks and says, ladies, and then delivers the third blow, completely bloodying the guy's face, uh, grabs him by the scruff of the neck, throws him up against the hood and says, change it now. And uh, the hippies, oh, can I even get a cloth to clean myself up? No, change it now. It's not my car. And so the hippie he makes the hippie uh, make, you know, change the tire. And then uh, somebody runs off and says, oh, we're going to go get uh, Tex, Tex Watson, one of the guy who was in, guys who was involved in the actual murders. And they were going to go get Tex. And Cliff Booth is just done with this. Uh, he, he found out uh, Spawn is okay, that the, the tire was switched out, and he just gets in his car and drives away. At every moment at, in that sequence, he had a decision to make. Am I going to be a man or am I going to cuck out the way, say, people in 2022 will do when it comes to hard choices in life? And Cliff Booth makes the right choice every single time. If you do not want to raise a soy boy, okay, and a man bun, okay, and a, and a snowflake, have, I don't care, chain that kid in your basement for a weekend and make him watch that 12-minute segment in that movie. At every moment, at, at, at potential great risk to himself, he was outnumbered, many more people around in an in, in unknown situation. At great risk to himself, Cliff Booth makes the right decision and sexually makes the right decision protecting an old man, makes the right decision making the hippie responsible for, for the, the, the damage he did. That segment, uh, it's hard to believe that America could produce a scene like that in, in the 21st century. The, uh, Cliff Booth is the opposite of a soy boy or a snowflake in that segment. And I do think that if we had, if we taught our young men, um, and I think, like I said, maybe single digit is too young. They just won't get it. Maybe they'd start to get it if they were more 10, 12, 14. And stop it, hit pause. 
and say, what is Cliff Booth going to do next in this scene? Is he just going to run away like a scared little child? Or is he going to do the manly thing, which is not toxic at all. It's to be responsible and hold others responsible. It's a 12-minute segment. And I'm telling you, you show that thing to your young boys, we're going to stop reading Soy Boys. Uh, And the only reason I'm thinking of that and running my mouth right now is because Glenn Beck's The Blaze did a report on a reporter, and I believe it's a female reporter, so we'll, 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 we'll switch genders here, completely triggered by a demonstration with American flags. Her name is Patricia, uh, Patricia Zengeri. Uh, she has a Twitter account, and you're not going to believe this, folks, but she has a blue check Twitter account. She's a blue check Twitter journalist. I, I, I don't know how that possibly could happen. Uh, she works for Reuters, and she tweeted out a picture. I guess this was uh, at the Capitol in, in Washington, D.C. Yikes. Just saw this gang walking around the Capitol and had a wave of January 6th anxiety. Uh, apparently, the organization, yeah, just a couple people, about half a dozen. Uh, it's called the 1776 Restoration Movement. A lot of is that a uh, is that a real diagnosis, Dowd? Uh, a real can diagnosis. You, can you can someone say that that they have not just a PTSD, but they have they are afflicted with January 6th PTSD as if that's different than other forms of PTSD, like have the uh, actual American, uh, I don't know, AMA, the American medical association, have they come out specifically? Oh, the because DSM. That's the way the the DSM. Yeah. Yes. Or you could use the DSM. Yeah. What are we on eight or something? Right. Like, yeah, I, you I, use- I, yeah. Cause I'm, you know, I'm involved in mental health out in Corrales. I, I'm always, they're always handing me the DSM. To look into something. <laughs> And um, I, I diagnose a lot of people in my family with with a lot of problems, but less 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 yeah. about that, the better. Uh, so yeah, a January sixth um, syndrome. Um, so that would be blue wow. check blue check a Twitter syndrome. journalists. Yeah, I think we're onto something. This is, we are onto something uh, as we speak. As of uh, your uh, rants this afternoon, released by the Wall Street Journal no less than twenty minutes ago. News alert. Watch live. Panel zeroes in on events inside the White House during the attack on the Capitol. Trump's action during the crucial, crucial 187 minutes as the Capitol was under attack are now the focus of tonight's January 6th hearing. Not to mention uh, the uh, aforementioned uh, January 6th syndrome, which can develop as a result of Donald Trump's inaction during that time while he sought cover in the White House. All right, please continue. Well, I mean, that's the tweet. And I think what, and and what Glenn Beck's media operation, the blaze does, I've seen them do this a couple of times, which is they publish, they, they do publish the ridiculous, hysterical snowflake tweet. And frankly, you know, come on, this could have been our friend Austin at source, New Mexico could be, could have been a male journalist just as much as a female journalist to get me back to Cliff Booth. But what, what the blaze does is hilarious is they go out looking for the responses. Uh, So our dear, our, our dear Patricia, uh, let's see, Zengari uh, for Reuters, one of the largest news organizations on the planet. Yikes, I uh, just saw this gang walking around the Capitol, had a wave of hashtag Jan, Jan 6 anxiety. So some of the responses, uh, pretty, pretty, some true sick burns here. I appreciate Patricia displaying so efficiently how absurd everyone who is panicked about January 6th really is. A half dozen senior citizens with bad hips waving American flags is about as dangerous as, as January 6th really was. Uh, was one response. Another one was uh, journalists literally talk about seeing a crowd of old people waving American flags as if they're currently on the ground in Fallujah. Uh, and then the final one, the final mocking tweet was, oh no, patriotic senior citizens waving American flags. Our democracy is under attack by the AARP gang. Lock down the Capitol. Someone evacuate AOC. Um, I don't know. It's funny. I found it funny. I think, I hope some of the listeners did. Uh, you know, this is, this is, these are the people who are bringing us our 
quote unquote news. Uh, and it's why, folks, you got to go alternative. You got to go true alternative journalism. Uh, Rockatalk.chat is part of that, but there's a lot of other people, great guys out there. Alex Berenson, uh, Glenn Greenwald. There's a lot of other uh, Substack platforms out there. You got to leave these people behind. We know what they're about. And they are dishonest activists. They have nothing, they have no interest in actual journalism. Eddie, a uh, little indulgence on my part, particularly the Tarantino sure. stuff, but uh, I just uh, thought, I just found it funny. I think uh, it's uh, something that's educational and you're imparting something that you oftentimes uh, take in and has an impact. And unfortunately, because we don't use, you know, the likes of Twitter and other social media uh, we can find something in traditional uh, mediums like film that could impact other people and use it as a teaching tool. 12 minutes, I will hit start and stop, and I will uh, uh, urge my children to watch intently as we gaze upon the commentary of Adidas Musk. Uh, let, let me further uh, indulge your indulgence, if you don't mind, since this is now a quote-unquote syndrome. And Eddie, why are you making such a big deal about the word syndrome? Well, uh, let's talk about what a syndrome is. It's a group of symptoms that uh, constantly occur together. Uh, she is calling this January 6th syndrome. Uh, as you know, little words and concepts irritate me, which is why I critically think about stuff. Uh, or a condition characterized by a set of associated symptoms. Well, what would be uh, trigger, uh, triggering those symptoms? Well, it could uh, be nonetheless uh, those things that were characterized by Psychology Today, psychologytoday.com. Uh, they penned this article. The Trump supporters have five key traits. Uh, that's right. These would be also serve as triggers to those who uh, have uh, probably and likely suffer from January the sixth syndrome. Authoritarianism. Uh, you know, by and large, you know, anytime you find people who support authoritarianism, uh, no, not the kind of Kamala and. Um, uh, Joe Biden, but the kind that supported authoritarian uh, regimes like Donald Trump, refers to the advocacy or enforcement of strict obedience to authority. Uh, that is one of the things that could trigger that. Uh, social dominance orientation, or SDO, psychology today is uh, rife with acronyms, uh, not to mention going to the DSM, which is uh, what Dowd was referring to. I believe that was started in the late 50s uh, to uh, tailor certain uh, traits, behaviors, personalities, and uh, um, other things uh, to a way that could be categorically uh, driven so that they could push pills, which uh, um, came by way of LD or LSD and various other things during the early 60s uh, until today. Social dominance orientation is a characteristic. Prejudice, if uh, wow. one of the things that triggers these people is, uh, when it comes to the um, January the 6th syndrome uh, is when they recognize prejudice, not that they have any or not that they're, Never. you know, shutting down, not, not that they're shutting down lesbian bars and in, 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 in Portland six days after they open. That certainly isn't prejudice. And we'll talk about that doubt. I think we should do that next to have a little fun time. And we'll get to the other stuff tomorrow. Intergroup contact. Not sure what that means, but uh, intergroup contact refers to a contact with members of groups that are outside one own has been extremely shown to reduce prejudice. And then finally, relative deprivation. So all of these are uh, raw contributors uh, to the January the 6th uh, syndrome. And I think it'd be a good time to introduce that wonderful article because a few, ladies and gentlemen, are thinking about opening up a business in this now uh, post-COVID world, dare I say it, knock on wood. It's not. Um, well, you could be shut down by the woke mob who would call ownership into question regardless of their investment. 
and then uh, force them without even so much as lifting a finger, but uh, gang rush them by uh, making them feel uncomfortable in their own environment and within their own investment. Uh, Dow, this is probably the most remarkable uh, story since we're going on that direction uh, that I have maybe ever read uh, in the woke culture. Um, <laughs> it, it is so ridiculous that I had to I had to read it three times. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you set the stage for this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm on Twitter for now, uh, just because it's a, just, you know, it's, it's, it's like a syndication feed. I'm constantly getting news throughout the day. It's just more, not, not because I support Jack Dorsey or Elon Musk for that matter. So I think, I, I think this just popped up on my Twitter feed a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah, two days ago, July 19th. Uh, and this is, Eddie, I think these people are on Substack too, like we are, uh, libs of TikTok. Uh, these these yeah. indefatigable people who go out into you know I do this from time to time I'll go to a county commission hearing with environmentalists uh, uh, that's the, the, the military industrial complex people I with were with today let's just say uh, a lot more easier to deal with than the, the crazy moms and the eco freaks last week um, lesbian bar shuts down one week after opening <laughs> why did the lesbian bar well I mean I, well, for, let's stop it right there obviously the lesbian bar it shut down one week Le- after lesbian opening lesbian bar because, are they trying to invite me over there are they trying to invite me over there? <laughs> like they're trying to invite me uh it, it was shut down one week after opening because of the inherent prejudice and bigotry uh of the of of, of the institutional uh racism and uh, cisgenderism of america right i mean that's why it, it closed down oh no because it wasn't woke enough <laughs> eddie I'm, I'm gonna let you do this one because uh i i might laugh my way through it too much well, I'll tell you, uh, the thing, and I'll, I'll, I think we should share it tomorrow on the rockertalk.chat blast, get more people subscribing, and that's good because this is something that you should definitely pass along. But what was really unbelievable were some of the quotes that these people included as six days in, they tore it apart. Now, this group uh, that set up, I guess it, it looked like a, uh, you couldn't tell if it was a couple or whatever, that, that set up the, this bar literally caved almost immediately to all of the demands of the lesbians uh, who said that it wasn't woke enough and they got it shut down. And I thought, Oh my gosh, talk about a lack of investment. Now we know that Portland is suffering from the highest murder rates. We know that it's suffering from its worst economy. No, we know that it's suffering and people are leaving uh, Oregon in droves, just like they're leaving New Mexico in droves, but it didn't prevent these people from, you know, doing what should have been prevented, which is getting in the way of a, a private enterprise uh, trying to go ahead and support itself and provide value to the community. And they totally just decimated it just right out of the box. And, you know, folks, you just have to leave, let, leave these people to their own devices. And as Dow said, they eat their own. This is definitely a case of exactly that. I mean, first off, it's branding itself as a lesbian bar. That should be woke enough right there. Mm-hmm. I know if I'm not a lesbian, I'm not going to be walking in. But beyond that, what else would be possibly required? If we tell you, well, that's a gay bar for lesbians, well, I would imagine you'd probably just have to go ahead and just say, that's who we cater to, regardless of what's there. You know that that's how you identify yourself. It is already discriminatory in the sense that it's you know angled uh, towards a certain uh, group of people. You could certainly slap it with a, you know, a discrimination suit. They did not serve me. They discriminated me. Uh, they didn't where they weren't I eighty eight compliant with forty two inch doors, et cetera, et cetera. And they probably weren't on a number of these. No, it was the actual patrons who are said lesbians who decided to go ahead and shut it down. And they'd rather not have options if they didn't get it the way they wanted. And I think the big other takeaway from this is this is how communists 
work. That's exactly what they were doing. It's like, if you didn't adhere to what we want your bar to be, rather than punish it in the market, they decided to shut it down entirely, almost like a state agency. They had as much power, if not more, than the state agency. So, folks, um, stay out of their way. If they want to go ahead and say this is what a lesbian bar is going to be, why don't you just amplify it, much by the way that Epps did on January 6th, you know, he called in, gaslight them, let them know that, hey, you know what this, you know, go go act like a lesbian, go act like a, you know, homosexual. And you say, well, this is a gay bar and, and start protesting out in front of it and uh, do a little bit of uh, the brown coat stuff on them. And I'll tell you, these people are so incredibly juiced up on their woke ideology. <laughs> they'll probably and very likely follow suit. So act like one of them, pretend to be one of them, get them all worked up get their places shut down and they'll, they'll go ahead and shut them down all on their own. And you can, you don't have to actually be homosexual. You have to claim to be homosexual and file a suit against any one of those people. You can do it folks, just like they did it to themselves. So why not accelerate that process? If you want to go ahead and get something like that done. And, uh, you can find that uh, article tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Just become a subscriber directly at rockoftalk.chat. It's an amazing story, especially that zero hedge story that will also be included in the blast as well. And hey, that's Dowd's Enterprise, so please support him. Dowd, your top five is brought to you by the rockoftalk.chat. Yeah, folks, uh, the top five, your top five clicks for uh, for the subscribers, our subscribers, subscribe to less than 20 cents a day. Uh, number one, Albuquerque Raw report on a crime. Uh, bring the straps, according to uh, the vi- uh, some claim that was made here in Albuquerque for oh, the latest yeah. murder. Hey, yo, bring the straps. I guess they did bring the straps and somebody was gunned down. Yeah. Uh, it involved potentially teen sex, too, which is another salacious angle. Uh, number two, Anthony Fauci will not listen. A wonderful I, I will I will send along and even probably write anti-Fauci pieces for the rest of my life. Great piece in the American conservative. Number three, uh, what we just discussed on Alan Weber. Uh, he is going to single handedly stop gun violence in New Mexico once we get that that that, that pesky constitutional provision just out of the Constitution. Uh, number four, big face off behind closed doors between Rand Paul and Mitt Romney. I think you know who I'm rooting for, folks, uh, when it comes to that that smackdown. Uh, Yeah, I won't even say it. Uh, And finally, number five, what what we immediately just talked about, uh, Reuters reporter uh, mocked for uh, talking about her January 6th anxiety when six old people were waving flags. Um, You can get all of this information and much, much more. Just subscribe, folks. Rockatalk.chat. And tomorrow we will have the Espanola police blotter. Uh, we'll also have another of, uh, reports uh, as well. That'll be during our third hour, so stay tuned for that. I will officially be back in studio tomorrow. I want to thank Eric for holding down the fort uh, while I've been away at play. Uh, you did a tremendous job as, uh, I guess, the E-Pro. the fella, the fellas at the, yeah, the station <laughs> refer to you as E-Pro. What is that? What exactly is E-Pro? What does that uh, mean? You have Eric? to ask Diana Vargas about that. That's her idea, and I do whatever oh. Diana tells me. <laughs> Wow. There you go. Dinah Vargas, of course, at 1 p.m. 2 p.m. is their Liberty Lovers. We're going to adjust some other shows that are there on the weekend. We've got a, a brand new pet show that's coming in. So Adopt a Pet is coming in. We'll also be uh, celebrating uh, Chris Youngblood and his organization as we encourage the youth to get stronger and stronger. That's going to be a brand new show uh, likely coming in August. So we've got lots of things that we've added here to the radio station. As always, we appreciate your patronage. Most importantly, of our advertisers, they keep the station alive and keep it going. It's oh so important to all of us, and particularly those people who listen to the uh, freedom-loving speak that we have every day right in the Kiva. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow, 4 p.m., for our Friday fun, right in the Kiva, and 1600 KIVA, abq.fm, and rockoftalk.com.
to fight him. And when they pulled down from the floor, Leroy looked like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple of pieces gone. And he fed, fed Leroy Brown. Man in the whole damn town, better than old King Kong. Meaner than the junkyard dog. Man, 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 Leroy Brown.